From the land of Kawazoo, now in living polygons, it's the Saga Dating Game. And ready to discuss anything from modern music to hideous monsters are our three eligible bachelors. And here they are! Bachelor number one is a man of mystery. We can't get him to tell us what he actually does. Bachelor number two comes from a land of mystery, the Magic Kingdom. He's a man with a mission. And bachelor number three is a scrappy older gentleman. But don't let the years fool you. Hello. Humph. Hello, world. And here is our bachelorette of the evening, hailing from the romantically twilight realm of Fascinatoru. Ladies and gentlemen, Acellus! Um, hello. Now it's time to ask some questions to our bachelors. Okay, bachelor number one, what's your perfect date? Hmm, a moonlight night, a trip down the forest, maybe a walk around the river. Hmm, that sounds good. If we do it just right, the terrorists will never suspect us. Huh? You can handle a machine gun, right? Um, moving on. Bachelor number two. I like the color red. It's nice and sanguine. What about, um, how about you? Red. Um, yes? I hate that color. Okay. It makes me want to kill someone. <clears throat> All right, then. Bachelor number three, how do you like to stay in shape? Yes, I am fully functional. Um, okay. So, do you work out? I am very careful with my parts. That's all the time we have for today. Bachelorette, have you come to a decision? Um, I suppose. I'll go with Bachelor number one. He sounds like he knows how to have an interesting time, at least. Until our next show, may your dates be explosive! On your swords, ready your spells. You're about to enter the heart of a dungeon filled with computer and console RPGs from way back when, right up through yesteryear. To get you through this maze that's dripping with danger, we've gathered the best men and women from RP Gamer to watch your back. Some of you have never entered this area before. You're in for quite a fight. For others, this return visit can only be described as an RPG backtrack. Here are the party leaders for this expedition, Phil Willis and Mike Minky. And welcome to RPG Backtrack number 58, Saga the Final Frontier. These are the voyages of the RPG Backtrack, its continuing mission to explore old crusty games, to seek out new... Oh, I'm actually just ad-libbing now, it's a funny part. Uh, <laughs> joining me tonight is my good friend and co-host, Mr. Mike Minky. That green-blooded son of a bitch. It's his revenge for all those arguments he lost. <laughs> Damn it, Spock, are you out of your fucking mind? <sighs> well, we can keep going on about that all night, but we have other people to introduce, don't we, did Mr. Mickey? We better. We better, we better, we better indeed. We got Mr. Michael Apps. How are you doing? Mr. Michael Baker. Hello. Mr. Nathan Schlothen. Hi. And Ms. Sam Marshmallow. 
Did you all know that Adrian Pazdar plays Iron Man in the Iron Man anime? I didn't, but I learned yesterday. And knowing is half the battle. That's right. G.I. <laughs> Joe! Go Joe! Now we need now we need are the PSAs. Now did you did you like the original G.I. Joe theme song or the one that came later on that was like a rap Got to get up, yo Joe! Which which one did you like? I, I was all for the rap. I was all about the rap too. You gotta stand tough when you come down to the I'm sorry, alright. So I don't remember hearing the the rap version. You know so what? I think I'm we'll have to hook you up, Mr. Baker. I can I can find that on YouTube for you after the after the show. I can't do a long recording. I like to inspect the gadget scene better than either. <laughs> yes. I must be the only person who hated that show. Of course, the best one of all is the GI Joe movie theme song, where Cobra gets to sing too. That is awesome. So yeah, you can look up all three songs, people, at YouTube.com. However, this is not the the uh, the GI Joe backtrack uh, show. This is the RPG backtrack show. What are we talking about tonight, Mr. Minky? We are talking about what happened when the Saga series returned to English speakers all over the world on the PlayStation. And we have some people who know all about that. Well, that's good, Mr. Minky, because my experiences with the Sega Frontier series were very brief and unpleasant. So hopefully. Our panel of guests can change my mind on this subject, right? Hopefully. Are you open-minded? Am I open? Am I really open-minded? Sure, I am. Absolutely. Um, A certain person on our forums, then this is the best game he's ever played. Awesomeness. Whoa. And we'll also be on our blast from the recent past. We'll be talking about Might and Magic: Clash of Heroes. So, hmm, that's a really cool one. I like that game. game. We can talk about that for a while. All righty. All righty. We'll be right back after this brief break. back ready to talk about saga frontier for the playstation playstation one this is developed and uh public uh, published in japan at least by square and it's published over here in north america by um what is it i'm pretty sure it's square square Square, uh, s-c-e-a is that square center america sony yeah that's sony that's That's right sony yeah there you go direct i'm not even gonna say who direct and produce i can't read these people's names they're all japanese it's kawazu yeah you just michael apps's favorite person ever Yes, it is. Uh, Excuse me, his proper name is The Maestro. Thank you. The Maestro. This was released here in North... Can't call him that or you get the Seinfeld connection. We can't have that. Oh, goodness. All right, (laughs) let me finish my public service announcement. This was released uh, here in North America on March 24th, 1998 for your PlayStation. And uh, this is also on the PlayStation Network. Oh, hmm. Uh, Is in Japan? Oh, only in Japan? I'm about to say, I don't remember seeing that on We don't have it. Ah, I wish we had it. Then I could actually play it again. Cool. Uh, same here. This is a single-player RPG experience rated T for Teen. So let's talk about this, guys. Talk about Sega Frontier. 
Saga Frontier. Saga Frontier. Say it. Saga! <laughs> See, now you're making me think it was on the Saturn, and it, that just didn't happen. Saga! So, Saga Frontier, probably one of the most unique RPGs that graced the PlayStation. Yeah, it's really different than almost anything you've played before, if you played it at the time. And I guess even now, it's probably really different than anything you've ever played. Unless, I guess, you've played the games that most resembles, which are the three Saga games for the Game Boy. And probably probably Sweet Code in 3 as well, in terms of multi-perspective play. Yeah, but Sweden 3 didn't have robots. Sure it did. It had Gadget Z. <laughs> Gadget Z. I stand defeated. <laughs> You're fighting with the wrong person yeah, when it comes to Sweet Coden. <laughs> yeah, but Saga Frontier had a really weird mix of everything under the sun and no explanation of why. Well, there's kind of an explanation if you... It's probably just all these different regions, like different weekly connected dimensions and worlds that all work by their own rules and have their own history. No no reason actually given in the game itself why. There might have been a reason given in the Ultimania, but I've never read that. Well, yeah, it's only implied loosely and kind of makes more sense if you've played the Game Boy games, which have the more explicitly defined different worlds that their own rules that you can travel between. Yeah, that's how I always chose to interpret it, is just like uh, Final Fantasy Legend 2. You know? Well, and truthfully, do we care that there's no real direct connection? I mean, if you think about Stop. it, every character appears in everybody else's scenario. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think, I think it would have been even worse if they had tried to really force a connection upon the game, since they just left it completely up in the air. It's like, okay, it's there. Who cares? Yeah, well, let's play. I think what makes Saga Frontier work as well as it does is the fact that it has seven, seven separate stories. Right? You have seven yeah. separate stories. You can kind of pick and choose which one you want to play. There's no real commitment to play all of them. So yeah. if you don't like yeah. one character, you don't have to play it. That's kind of cool if you beat all of them because then you get to go to the bonus developer room and mess around there. <laughs> but there is a that's nice the only bonus. Perk. Yeah. It's to be honest though that as much as it's a fun bonus for people who like this stuff, I know me personally, I didn't have the patience to try to even bother with that. Me neither. I don't. I did. My copy of the game had scratches on it, so I had trouble finishing some of the scenarios due to Ooh. just crashes and things. Like there was Ouch. a fifty percent chance that the game would crash upon the appearance of the first boss in Amelia's scenario. Oh, lovely. It took me five tries to get past that prison at the beginning of the game. Twice, and just because the game stopped as soon as the Ankeg appeared. It took me a couple of tries just because I needed to remember, oh, I can save anywhere. And when I didn't do that the first time and somebody caught me in the security guard room, uh, that kind of ended the game right there. (laughs) Which was too bad because I just spent half an hour fighting things and getting stronger. But one thing I can really give Kawazu credit for is he's probably the first guy to come up with a save anywhere option in any RPG. Okay, okay on can the I, Game Boy. Can we just take a step back here? And the fact that like, like, let's not start talking like Kawazu's the only guy who made this game. He's the only person responsible. I kind of dislike it. No. it sounds too much <laughs> like that. The whole there's a whole yeah, team of people get, who made this. 
It's only yeah, a small like number of people. He's the only name that we can remember. <laughs> yeah. True not just so, that he's he's the crazy person who made this like who made most of this game and created most hey, of the ideas. I mean, you have to unfortunately give him that credit. Vision, but yeah. The problem is when the man has a vision, it either looks like a crazy person did it or a genius. For this game, I'm going to call him a genius. For Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles on the Wii, I'm going to call him a madman. Oh my god. Oh my god, you did not just do that. (laughs) She did not. She did not go there. Oh no, you did not. No, no, she didn't. Oh, did not. Guy's incredibly creative, but his application of ideas does not always reach as high a level as his creativity. Come on, so. racing okay. RPG. But, but before we go any further, we should give all of the characters a quick uh, explanation so that people oh, yes, yes. might not be familiar with them can understand what we're talking about. So shall we start with the characters in the dating game? Sure. Why not? Let, let's okay. start with the ones named after colors. Red. He's Red. a superhero. He's, the, he's a common rider to rip off, basically. Yeah. He's a power <laughs> All Kaiser. Yeah, but the fun part is he can't even use his superpowers if there are any living witnesses in still alive in battle. Well, robots don't count as alive though, which is awesome. Exactly. That's the wonderful loophole. He's got the second most number of robots in any game character in the game, which I'm sure is not coincidental. But I, I think it's just fun the fact that you can actually let your characters, other characters, all get knocked out, and then he can transform into the. Superhero and just trounce everything, if necessary. Yeah. Though I found that fighting with other people was very helpful because if Red gets stronger in his base form, then he translates that newfound power into the superhero. Yeah, he can't level up while he's in superhero mode. True. But he's got all these cool moves he can only use in that mode. Exactly. I wish I could learn more of. Yeah, just the basic sword of that, uh, whatever it was called, was so much more powerful than anything else he had access to for so long. Yeah, it's like one of the most powerful swords in the whole game, really. Of course, it does tremble the fact that his punching is actually his true strength, because that's where most of his unique moves are, including his strongest. Okay, other character, Blue. Blue is the wizard. He's one of the two most powerful wizards in the game. Yeah, and yeah, and, he's um, sure. So is are there any restrictions on language that can be used in this podcast? Keep it PG thirteen. I said that. Okay, that that okay. seriously limits the amount of description we can give to Blue then, because he's just yeah, he's not the <laughs> nicest of the main characters by far. Yeah, he's also got one of the more minimalistic plots. His plot is get all the magic, which you know I typically do with every character anyway, so it's a little pared down. But hey, he's a twin. He's got a twin brother. The twin brother he's trying to kill, who's actually much more cool and fun than him. Here's the thing. So he's actually my favorite because of that. Twins he has the rule. easiest plot to describe. It's called Revenge on Brother. Brother murders him. We all laugh. <laughs> Game goes on. And Woo-hoo. they go descended to hell. And we, can, and we can take advantage of certain exploits in the game and actually profit from his own brother killing main character. So, I never or understood. Or main character being killed by his own brother. You know, Blue's outfit reminds me of someone who's Danish. I just noticed that. He has a little skirt and the Highland stockings, and I don't know if he's supposed to be Danish or Scottish, or both. Kwazu, tell me, man. Tell me, who is this? Well, he comes from the Magic Kingdom. I've met Danish people, and he doesn't remind me of any of them. 
You have not seen the, the beautiful artwork that the game has in the chibi form of him. It's cute. I'm looking at my book. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> chibi okay. Amelia is cuter. Yeah. Yes, and Emilia has multiple outfits that she changes into for increasingly less reason throughout the game. Hey, sexy bride outfit. Come on. That you only get at the very end of her story. Again, yeah, that's, awesome. Of course, those sections <laughs> and, serve and some actually, of a gameplay function. They do have a gameplay function. Yeah, they actually so change her stats and her combat skills abilities. Well, okay. The, actually, what, most of them don't do much, actually. Only two of them actually have any effect because of whatever reason. They actually change what tech skills she can learn. So if she equips yeah. one outfit, she, you can learn the same skills that Liza learns. If she equips a different outfit, she can learn all the skills that, uh, what's Annie. that sorry, Annie uses. Yeah, one, in one way she becomes a martial arts expert, the other way she becomes a um, guns expert, right? Yeah. yeah. Really enough, yeah. the gunner outfit and the bunny girl outfit don't actually do anything at all. Despite promises to contrary. No, they're just there for fun, sort of exhibitionism. And I'm okay Incidentally, with Incidentally, her story begins with uh, her boyfriend having just been killed and she ending up in prison for his murder even though she didn't do it. And a mysterious fellow named Joker having seemed to commit the murder. Yes. And, and, and then she falls in with a rebel group. Yep. And the first part of the game involves the crazy director of the prison <laughs> offering a challenge and to, to anybody who can get down to one particular part of the prison gets to leave if they don't get caught and shot to death. It's pretty cool. Hoarding, hoarding fellow, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> hey, it sounds like something out of a blood sports novel. Let's just whirl with it. Yep, yeah, I think that's the point. Yeah, if he wasn't insane, then her story would never go anywhere, so we'd just have to deal with it. No, we'd have to deal with her rotting in prison. That's always good. Yeah, that's t that tends not to make much of a game. No. No. No, but then there's the character whose game is pretty much just a grind. Loot. Which one? Oh, blue. No. Loot. Oh, yes. Loot. I, loot? Big C reached the end of his plot in 45 minutes. Tom. <laughs> Except you can't do that unless you use a game shark or whatnot, because the final boss will absolutely destroy you. Yep. I know. I got there within two hours, and what did Mondo do? He took me apart in two moves. See, I'm sort of PO'd because he has one of the best partner characters in the game, which is, Captain if I'm not saying her name is Tam yeah, Captain Hamilton. Like, she's freaking awesome. She and is. It's just like... Even she, I, I think, do it on her I think own. we need to get back to actually introducing the main characters again because we've we've introduced Blue, we've introduced Red. <laughs> we don't need to talk Amelia. about Lou. We talk about Captain Hamilton. She's cooler. Uh, Lou's yeah, boring. Luke. Lou's no, boring. I mean, we've done Amelia, um, but how about the robot? How about Acellus? T two six O G, the robots. Of yeah, with the mysterious who, hat. <laughs> yeah, this one who's the used to be the onboard. Computer of a ship in some ancient war turned it turned into junk. Landed on the planet junk. That's how he knows you know, how bad you fit as a robot if you land on a planet named junk. <laughs> well, the entire planet is one huge scrap um, junkyard connected to another planet which is called Scrap. It's yeah. pretty awesome. Yep. And then there is Acellus. She's a vampire. Was, 
She was the victim of a hit-and-run accident ten years ago. Turn vampire! Turn vampire, because the guy who hit her was a vampire. And he's really hot. But not Edward Cullen hot, because that's just gross. He's more like like David Bowie's character in Labyrinth. I'll accept that. Hey, Minky. Since she mentioned a Twilight reference, is it okay to do another plug for Rift Tracks? <laughs> Buy more Rift Tracks! <laughs> it's the only way I watch Twilight. <laughs> and we're still missing one more character, the adorable Ricky. Ricky also yeah. known as Kuhn in Japan. The monster yeah. who seriously has the hardest after the game in terms of getting through Virgil's castle. But you have to do in order to gather the eight rings, which is the whole point of the plot. Yep. And I used Ricky for a while in loot scenario, and uh, I could never find anything really good for her to fuse with, so I eventually kicked her out because she kept dying quick, too quickly. Yeah, the monsters were kind of hard to work with in Saga Frontier sometimes. Yeah, like basically there's an extremely complicated, intricate way they work, and if you don't know how to work, they'll never make sense. Which like, really describes a Kawazu game quite well. Yeah. Like, okay, this is the point where we need to say, use a guide if you want to play Saga Frontier. It's the only way to play Saga Frontier sometimes. There yeah, are no less than two different... Uh, I'd say it's more like if you want to complete the whole game, you need a guide. You could yeah, probably yeah. get a lot of enjoyment just digging into it without a guide or anything. Yeah, you can. I mean, but still, it helps to know basic stuff. Like when I first played the game, I didn't even know you can permanently save monster abilities, which kind of limited the ability of my monsters. So it's like it helps to at least have some idea of what you're doing in the game. Like I had no idea how mad strange magic worked, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, the game got a lot more fun for me when I realized there's infinite money tricks. There's actually two of them in the game. They both work well. That's okay, great. Work even better in conjunction, and they make the game more fun. Was they sadly Soccer Frontier is just one of those games where um, it's one of the most poorly explained games. I remember as a Actually, kid that there is oh, one sorry. game that is le- um, there's one game that is even more poorly explained in its oh, manual. Oh, Which was oh unlimited, wait, unlimited oh. Saga, but let's that's a thing for another backtrack. Okay. Don't open that can of worms just yet. Yeah. yeah. And here I thought you were that. going to say Rune Factory Tides of Destiny, but okay. <laughs> I, I haven't had a chance to play that one. <laughs> I guarantee you Unlimited Saga is worse. I know it is. I've played that <laughs> one. <laughs> At least in terms of inscrutability, but let's go back to this game's inscrutability. Okay. Yeah, so. yeah like, like the junkyard bug. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're willing to spend a long time just running back and forth and waiting for good stuff to pop up in that junkyard, you can get it all for almost free. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't the, wasn't part of the bug where since the junkyard shop will only buy back certain items, but there was one item on the list that if you try to sell it back, even if you don't have it in your inventory, you'll still buy it from you? Yes. Which, yes. Yeah, it's more and like, it's, it's in like okay. several thousand a pop. Well, they won't give you money for it, but you can just go back into the junkyard and pick some more stuff, then go back, sell your non-existent item, go back again, and again, and again, and again. And I looted up on Lethal Guns. Those are really handy. <laughs> also, T2-6G does this a bit faster because it doesn't get the weakest items from that, I've heard. This is the one I missed when I first played through. I almost used the gold trading trick to get infinite money. Isn't it something about selling repair kits, and once you've sold enough of them, the items start to get better that you find? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
but yeah, I used that to power up loot and Amelia, and I might have done it with Red if I had felt like getting strong enough to take on his final boss. But I yeah, so the uh, the loot scenario one battle plan um, requires massive exploitation of that trick. I, I actually, I think I actually talked to somebody on GameFAQs who did that one, where the only battle he fought during the entirety of Loot Scenario was the boss, final boss. Wow, that's oh, impressive. Geez. Because he man, he recruited a couple robots and fully tricked them out, um, just using that money trick so that he they had all the most massive equipment bonuses possible. Just two two six one engineer car. That's really impressive. Yeah. And he somehow did it. I'm not sure how. But it's, it's one of those listed challenges like the single class challenges on Final Fantasy Tactics for the really hardcore players. <laughs> yeah, I, I instead spent... I took about 11 hours and just ground up a team, which uh, I think Loot had about 900 hit points by the end, and Mondo was still not an easy boss, but if you are willing to spend that much time grinding, then he is actually very impressive. I'm going to say that. All yep. five phases look really cool and intimidating, and that's because they are. Well, here's the thing. One thing that is just awesome about Saga Frontier is the boss designs. No boss looks yeah. the same. Even, like, the multiple forms on some of them, it's, they're just massive looking. And it's just like, I don't know. I always got excited every time I got to a final boss in Saga Frontier. Yeah, because I always wanted to see what it looked like. Yeah, and they all like they all throw on theme song too, and they're just really cool, mm -hmm. fun fights. Yeah, every almost all the music I heard in the game was really good. Kudos to Kenji Ito. Yep, all, Kenji Ito rocks. I've got five or six of the soundtracks by now. So yes, rocks. And speaking of final bosses, I thought Diva kind of came out of nowhere for Amelia, but did look cool. Yeah, yeah, Diva's the out-of-nowhere one. Diva makes kind of no sense. Well, Amelia's ending makes no sense unless we're going to assume, oh, your boyfriend, well, he faked his own death? I don't get it. Yeah, that could have used a lot it. more explanation. I think it's like he's possessed by an evil mask or something. I'm not sure. But certain. then where did the body come from? Yeah, Mystery. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I loved Amelia's plot up until the end because of all those reasons. I remember I I started and I was like, oh, wow, this is pretty, you know, badass. Like, you know, you got three girls and they're breaking out of jail. And, you know, as it goes on, you start to see, like, Amelia shed her skin a bit more and a bit more. And, you know, she becomes a more open character. And then all of a sudden you get to the last mission and stuff starts to, like make absolutely no sense. And I remember sitting there with my controller and I said to my mom, I'm like, I wasted 10 hours and this ending makes no sense. I was so mad. I think <laughs> I threw my controller just because, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I don't get this. I don't get how this works. But it did have the super, the dream super combo. So I didn't care because I whacked yeah. good with that. I only use that against the Hell's Lord. But you know what? Again, like, here's the frustrating aspect of this game. There's good ideas in the stories. The Almost all of the endings are poorly explained. And I don't know if that has to do with, like, the budget cuts that went into this game or whatever. But 
Blues was even it, it, more problematic too. Yeah, Blues. Like, I kind of liked Blues ending because he kind of like the, you get you get his credit roll and you beat Rouge or when Rouge beats him. So yeah. basically, the entire gameplay from after that point is the ending. It's like mm-hmm. I kind of like how it just stops in the middle of the final battle because suddenly it's like this implication that the battle doesn't end. You just he continues to fight Hell's Lord for eternity, and that's his ending. I guess as a child, I thought that was really stupid because I loved the whole, you know, I loved the, the battle between Blue and Rouge. I thought that was amazing. The whole having to fight Hell's Lord for God knows how long, I was not into that. I did beat him, but I was not into that. I was like, that was a waste. I want to go back to the part where, like, I was fighting my brother again and murderizing him. <laughs> again, I was a very impatient child. <laughs> Well, speaking of endings, I liked Loot just for its amusement factor. By beating Mondo, Loot has apparently become really high in the resistance's echelons, and now people want him, whereas he would rather just run away from all kinds of responsibility. And the fact that his mother reacts to somebody actually looking for her son with outright skepticism and then completely... uh, downplaying every aspect of it. I, I thought it was funny. Not much of an ending after the 11-hour grind I had to do in order to take down Mondo, but it, it was still cute. Yeah, this is no, game definitely was... suffers from being a bit incomplete at times. All enough, Loot's story seems to be complete, but like Azelsa's story still has code from when it's actually what was properly complete rather than the half-ish thing it is. And there's still a whole other character who's supposed to be a main character, but we got cut out. Yes, yeah, but a you lot see of him people, a lot. He, a he lot joined me. Fuse did. Fuse did join me, and he was pretty cool, and he was really handy in uh, that middle of Red Scenario fight line, but then he vanished again, and that sucked. I'm trying to yeah, remember well, who scenarios he appeared in. Whole, well, Fuse appears in any scenario since you can recruit him on the Arcane Quest. Right. And he's also a major character in Amelia's scenario because he's the one who yeah, was and he's really nasty towards her because he blames her for the death of his best friend. Yep. Yeah, boyfriend. and he and his, all of his Erpo allies are only recruit, are all major allies for Red's story. You can only recruit mm-hmm. almost all of the Erpo team in a Red story, which gives him kind of a cool edge. Oh, that was Fuse at the beginning of Amelia. I, didn't, I played Red after Amelia, so I didn't make the connection. I just remember him being the interrogator. Yeah. yeah. He blamed her for everything. It was sad. Yeah. So yeah, from what I remember, a lot of loot scenario was taken out. Fuse's scenario was dumped entirely, and there were some alternate things from Acellus' scenario that were never properly worked on. Like especially how she escaped from the Castle of Thorns to begin with at the beginning. That was supposed to go yeah. differently. And then there's the whole random, area. Yeah. There's random other stuff throughout the game that was, had to be dropped because of space issues, which is a perennial problem for that development group. They had to do the same thing for Romancing Saga, the original. Yeah, and also it's just that's the time where a lot of things were getting their budgets cut because, mon- well, the Fall Festival series was stealing a lot of money from them. Same mm-hmm. problem with played Xenogears. Yeah. I don't know. I thought Astalis had, like, some of the best boss fights in the game. I yeah, really but they did. attack you so randomly. Like, oh no, that's what I hated. Like, I <laughs> they're, loved... they're bounty hunters. 
they just find her. Whenever they find her, they kill her. That's the idea. And I thought that was pretty cool, just the way that they did it. Yeah, it's randomized, but, you know, it's an assassination plot. It would be kind of randomized. Yeah, but like, the point is you're expecting it. They see, should have renamed the characters to Inquisition or something. You never expect them coming. See, I loved my favorite well, boss fight in the whole game was the Lion Princess one. Like, I loved her grudge. Because it was just like, you're prettier than me! And I was like, what? Okay, I'll just beat you up. Like, she had no real reason to go after her. She was just kind of like, you like the hot vampire man, I like the hot vampire man. Guess what? I'm taking hot vampire man and you can't have him. By the way, I'm hotter than you. And that was all it I mean, was. I mean, the hot vampire man was the charm lord. and Who knows what kind of controls he had over his own followers. So. It's so true. Dri- driving the driving that one um, the line or line princess was it? Yeah, mm-hmm. driving her to obsessive insanity. That would be his kind of mo. Well, she yeah. was the worst though for the randomization too. Like after you beat the Mystic Sages, she pretty much could just appear anywhere. It didn't matter where you go. All of a sudden, she'd appear, and you'd be like, "Oh crap! Oh crap! I gotta fight you." I don't like this anymore. I don't know how many times I had that happen where, like, she'd just murder me. Because I just... It would happen. Yeah, I mostly had trouble with the first random sage, the wind sage. Just... I'm just trying to build up a party here. I just don't even have equipment, don't have any characters, nothing. And the wind sage attacks me and I'm trying to walk to a shop. Ace Ellis chapter just... The randomization aspect, yeah, it was kind of brutal. But it felt so rewarding every time you beat a boss. It was like, ha ha, you tried to trap me and I beat you. And I appreciated yeah. that. But like her chapter felt like it was for like the hardest of the hardcore. Like, if you if you notice some of the other chapters, they ease you in a little bit better. Hers is probably the worst for that. And I remember because hers was the first one I played yeah, and beat. Same here, actually. Well it's the first one I play, tried, the last one I beat for me. After out of, out of all the seven, it's definitely the hardest final boss. I mean, if you think about it, like, what would you actually think it would be the easiest chapter to start with? Like, for me, I found the easiest character to play as was either Loot or Blue. Blue was great because I mean, it really eased you into everything. Uh, but, for me, it's but a lot Red of or Amelia. Like they have a lot of plots. Yeah, Red or Amelia because they've got a lot of plots. They give you a lot of characters, special perks. It has a lot of direction to where you're supposed to go next. See, the only reason I say that I, I liked Blue for an easy learning curve was just for the game mechanics in general. Blue's yeah. forced you to kind of play a lot with everything. So it was a lot easier to start to realize, like, oh, hey, if I do this, I'll get a different ability. Yeah. Even though Blue his was just, like, go find magic cards. Yeah, yeah a lot Blue of... And, yeah, Blue and a Amelia are both... Players. Okay. <laughs> One at a time. Go ahead. Okay, well, Blue and Melee are both good starters because, well, they're the only two that force you to start learning magic early on. Blue because it's his plot, and Melia because she has to get the rune card and they kind of push you towards getting the more rune, rune, continuing the rune quest. That's how you recruit your own team leader. And this, the rune quest is the easiest way to really go on the early game and get build up a decent amount of power so you can start facing stronger things in the game, just going to the moose tomb and such. So that's kind of a good way to help. It kind of pushes you to learn on how to go through these games. 
I thought the rune uh, abilities were actually also more useful than the arcane uh, the arcane abilities because weren't most of the rune abilities buff? Yeah, the rune abilities buffed you. Arcane yeah, I, is just kind of weird. I just found the um in the case of the arcane cards that I just I never had a lot of luck with them doing enough damage for me or anything. So I, I just remembered. Like, every time I restarted the game, I was like, you know what, I'm not even bothering doing that because I don't actually understand what half of these things do. <laughs> and also the fact that the Arcane, some of the Fire Animal Battles the Arcane Quest are really tough. Yeah, they're pretty nasty. Um, like, the Saber card in particular um, has a pretty nasty boss fight that goes with it in Walk 2. Well, I don't think it's a bo- mandatory boss fight. You can do the Saber early. It's yeah. For me, it's always yeah. the... Is, which card is it? It's the one on the mountain. Is that the? Oh. That's the um. The the, the shield card. Yeah, yeah, shield card. Suzaku. That's one from that's, um, IRPO. Yeah, the that's one that card. Fuse sends you on. Yeah, Fu- yeah. Fuse sends you on. It's just that that Suzaku is a really nasty boss, and it always got me a lot in earlier parts of the game. So to that's... be honest, like all the bosses though were nasty in the arcane quest. Like it, it didn't matter. Like I mean. The shadow one you didn't have to technically fight, well, but how like about, the, well, how I'm about sorry. the cup card quest? Oh, the Grail was awesome. <laughs> oh the, man, the Grail card, the one where you actually had to go around to all the breweries in Yorktown and get drunk before <laughs> walking into the marsh, and so you actually yeah. your character will actually totter around and can't walk a straight line. And our and they surround you with the most, <laughs> some terrible yeah, monsters you're all around you. That yeah, was pretty nasty. And when you start battle, everybody's drunk and can't hit anything properly. Oh, you'd be lucky if you got a hit in general. However, yeah. if they got a critical while they were drunk, like, it usually auto-killed the monster. If you were that's, lucky enough. That's just one of the yeah, funniest sequences in the game, though. Yeah, it's like fact, some of the conversations are... Drunk. Yeah. yeah. Some of the conversations are hilarious for the kid where some of these creatures are getting drunk by all the forced alcohol. Yep. I had to resort to using Space Lord to get through those, uh, that one sometimes. It's so hard. Well, I mean, speaking of, like, the Space Lord, my goodness, his was really hard, too. Between him and the Time Lord, both the boss fights were really challenging. Yeah. They, I mean, you can nice, mercifully recruit them, everyone uh, other than Blue, but Blue has to fight them, and they're powerful. Yeah, uh, sucks to be Blue. Um, yeah, I, I remember a, actually. Jerk. <laughs> I remember the first time I did Blue Scenario and um, I did the Time Lord battle. I think it took me about seven or eight times because he has that one lovely attack that if he gets you with it, you are toast. Even if you use Psychic Prison, which is what I kept doing, I'm like, Psychic Prison, I'm going to get you. And then he'd use that one auto kill attack and I was like, I hate this game. So, he, that one gave me nightmares. Then I realized I should have just went for the Space Lord, because he was a little bit easier. <laughs> but, that's one thing I really like about the Saga games, is you can get such a wonderful feeling of accomplishment when you finally do succeed. Oh, yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah, I mean, I mean, beating a, beating a Saga game means that you have really had to work the game. And if you if you don't break down and start crying before you get that far, it's still really good. <laughs> this yeah, game made yeah, me this. cry for all the wrong reasons. 
And yet Sorry, you finished Ethan. it. I, I, I finished most of the stories. Most is enough to count as finish. <laughs> That's what I figure. Well, as long as we're talking about somewhat issues with it, um, Squaresoft's, or whoever translated it, certainly didn't do the best job possible. Would you agree here? Yeah. It's early PlayStation Squaresoft translations. There's very few gems of that. I mean, all I can say is that it is on par with games of its time. There's considerably less profanity than Final Fantasy VII, and I don't remember any obvious things like this guy are sick, but it still yeah. isn't great. Well, but at least it did actually have. They did actually include the porn magazine and didn't try to translate it into something else. <laughs> Progress. Yes. Especially when every main character had a different reaction to the magazine. If you found it in that bookstore, you remember that? I just remember Amelia's reaction was an "ew, dirty." Amelia's reaction was something like she was criticizing the proportions of the model in a professional manner. Because <laughs> no, then it was uh, it was a cell's son who was actually a like. Cell's reaction was something like, "Oh, what, what, what is this feeling? What this? This uh, is weird." Yeah, I, I, it always came across to me as a questioning her own sexuality moment. Hey, hey, you know her relationship with White Rose. Exactly. Uh, yeah. she, I mean, the three end, the three possible endings for her scenario are based on, at least partly based on her final sexuality choice. So. Yeah, I got White Rose in my ending. So. So what? So was that the full human, half human, or full mystic ending? I can't. Oh, full God, mystic I ending remember. was full mystic ending. She was she ended up being like scary lesbian overlord character. I didn't get that one. That was not okay. the one I got. I think mine was the half, the half human one. Yeah, I think that was. Where it. She and White Rose are just like we're gonna escape and everything will be okay, and it's the more reassuring ending. So I'm not sure which one that is. Probably it's been a long the, time. Probably the half mystic ending. Yeah, but okay. Re- I'm, I'm trying just, to remember things things that I didn't like as much about the game. One of the things I didn't like was how they took pretty much every weapon attack type from the earlier games and fused them into just bladed weapons. Is because in this game you had bladed weapons, you had fists, and you had projectiles. Yeah, well, so yeah. just three weapon types only. Uh, it kind of works well enough. I mean, there's, you've got, you're, I mean, it's a decent enough choice between swords, guns, fists, heavy weapons, magic. There's still a lot of choices in the game for that, and certainly you can still have lots of different characters who all of their own little styles of how they build up weapons and such. So there's a lot, know, but it, a lot of distinctness. It just piles a lot together into the bladed weapons section when, I mean, when I can recognize a lot of the attacks from earlier games as being either sword or spear or axe or I, rapier or different weapons. I mean, there were eight weapon types in the second and third Romancing Saga games. There were six in uh, Saga Frontier 2. I, so I'll, I know say, disappointing. I'll just defend this on the virtue of the fact that 
in a kind of a game world where characters have access to high explosive bazookas, it makes a little less sense for there to be a huge variety of medieval weaponry lying around. So it kind of makes a bit more sense to just be the swords, especially when they have laser swords. Dude, the laser swords were cool. But that's when you come up with things like explosive bayonets or electrified whips. Or, oh, nanofilament whips. Fun. If you don't kill yourself. You know, the thing the, the... I... Yeah. go for it, Skyjin. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, just having everything in the bladed weapons department seemed like a lot of the physical characters couldn't be as individualized as they could have been, or, or that as individualized as they were in other games in the series. Well, they've got actually fairly restrictive move lists in terms of, like, technically everyone well, can learn everything, but... That was the other thing. They actually, the move list was a lot smaller for Lady Weapons. Okay, yeah, yeah, but some characters were really restricted to what they could learn, even though technically everybody could learn everything. Yeah. They, um, Liza they, was a perfect example where that was not the case at all, and that it would take her forever to learn something outside of the unarmed uh, yeah, field. So, yeah. Like Liza's like is really good at three of the attacks into the dream super combo, but is really bad at the fourth. So stuff there's a little quirks like that. Like some characters are really good at punching, other characters are better at kicking. Some characters are great at certain slashing, other characters are more better at stabbing attacks. Like Azelis oh. is great at stabbing, versus say Annie who's more good at slashing. I think. Yeah, yes, she was. Annie was also better with daggered weapons. Like she, you, she would actually get uh, bonuses in a lot of her daggered weapons, which was kind of interesting. Mostly because her first weapon, if I'm not mistaken, was a nail file, which I don't know if anybody remembers. Yeah, but I mean that makes sense. If you're in prison, you're going to be using a shiv. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, the one thing about Saga Frontiers battle system, well, I mean it's it's really interesting, and it was definitely a unique beast at the time. Um, the randomized elements in the battle system really were kind of annoying at times. Like, sometimes you just, you'd get a random attack and be like, hey, I just used this slash attack maybe, like, four times and I got another attack. Yay! And then you could do it another, like, 30 or 40 times and nothing would happen. Yeah, there's just a lot of randomness and a lot of non-random things that are really hidden from the player that are kind of limiting and affecting your what you're getting. So What bugged me a lot is the combo moves... Most of the time, they'll combo just fine, except when the tornado decides to screw with you so that you don't get them in the correct succession and you don't get a combo. Well, that's not very cool, is it? Especially yeah. if you're needing it to take out a boss that is hurting you very, very badly. And Curse you virtually. Especially bad concerns like, I finally learned a level 5 combo. Maybe I can finally get beat Virgil and then... It suddenly turns around and it's like, oh, I've seen that one before. It bores me. No points. Can't beat Virgil. <laughs> you must have cried a few times, didn't you? Maybe. A little. I don't blame you. Virgil was kind of a meanie face. I never got to him, but I can only assume so. I'm still trying, trying to figure out why the translation... or when it was decided that the character Virgil was a boy instead of a girl because he's the ruler of Hell with a single L and he looks a lot like the character Hell, the goddess from the Thor comic book. 
it's one of the few one of the few Thor comic books I actually ever owned featured Hell in that episode or in that issue, and the horns and part of the outfit are identical. So. Now, Gaijin, you live in Japan. How often does anybody ever get gender right in that country? And then in localization, how often do you think they get gender right because they're looking at it and going, I don't know. Again, Rune Good Factory, Tides of point. Destiny. Good point. <laughs> just to say. Any manga made by Clamp in there. Well, that's actually a perfect example. I mean, yeah. look at some of the characters in that and you're just kind of like, are you a boy or a girl? And if you have to play boy-girl, that's not a good sign. Well, that's the symptom of the shoujo genre as a whole. So. I mean, I love playing boy-girl. I really do. <laughs> but not always when I'm sitting there really stumped and going, I don't get it. I mean, y'all remember Sakura Wars 5, right? Subaru? Mm-hmm. Scott only asked me to date her because he wanted to find out if Subaru was a dude or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I, you know, the funny thing was, I, I told Shirley to do the same thing when she was playing the game. I'm like, go after Subaru, because I, I want to know if she's a guy or a girl. It's it. true. Uh, yeah, it's true. I spent the whole game, I watched her play for like two dozen hours, wondering what the hell the sex was on that one. Like I said, Japan Sakura has already pulled that with Sakura 2 and uh, Renny, or Lenny, whichever. Yeah, and then there was also Kana, who was like oh, Glamazon no. lady. Kana was clearly a woman. She was incredibly macho, but she was definitely female. If you ever watched the English dub of that show, they really thought she was a man most of the time. All I did was play the game, and I can tell you she's definitely a woman in the game. Even though she's voiced by the same actress who does the Japanese voice of, uh, what's his face, Kareerin. You remember, the, the bald guy in, in Dragon Ball, who constantly gets pwned. Krillin. Yeah, except his Japanese name is Kareerin. Kareerin. It's supposed to be a pun. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, Saga Frontier is kind of in the special category of boy-girl. I mean, Blue looks like a woman. Come on, guys. See that hair? Um, I mean, it's so silky smooth. (laughs) But, I mean, half the cast of Saga Frontier would count as other in any case. Yeah, like, Ricky explicitly doesn't have gender, so... I mean, and yet, in the localization, the... didn't they make Ricky purposely a girl? I, because I she, they had... wasn't Ricky often referred to as a her? I thought Ricky was actually. I, I can't remember. I, I would have to. I would have to actually buy the Japanese version and play through um, Ricky's quest to find out which pronoun the character uses. Because that could. It's been, been a long time for me, but I thought for some reason for years I thought that Ricky was a girl. Yeah, I'm I... pretty sure she was referred to as. Ricky was referred to as a girl when I got her with uh, Melee in that bar. Yeah, in Scrap. Yeah, it's, they're a little bit ambiguous, but they don't mention a bit as a girl, but also, I think they made it also throw a boy reference. I can't remember. It's been a long time. But that's what I mean. This game had some really wonky localization errors. And then there's um, the confusion to the implied gender of T260, which is, like, you can't default to male yeah, robot, but also main computer of a spaceship. What's the stereotypical voice they always use for main computer of a spaceship? Gene Roddenberry's wife? Yeah, yes. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> you know, if you're a Star Trek fan, it's going to be a woman. So. 
and we brought up Star Trek, we killed the conversation. Yes, apparently so. Okay, then so, let's I mean, discuss how it looks. Bring up the frontier. I mean, we could talk about Star Trek, we could talk about <laughs> Mad Max-style post-apocalyptic um, scenarios, we could talk about kung fu movies. I mean, there's that entire uh, pseudo-oriental region. It, it's just Where you get mind magic. And well, that was the more the, that was more of the pseudo Hindi reach. I'm thinking more of the the, the sword guy Gen was his name. His oh, region, yeah, 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 yeah. with the saber card. Yes. Yeah. That too. And it's a really awesome sword. I never got. Yep. I got the sword because I fought the boss. It hurt. I was not happy with myself. And then there's the scary, what is it, the monster that you get eaten by when you go to Tanzer? Tanzer. Oh, the, yeah, the Leviathan Tanzer, yes. And you have to go through his guts. I love that area. I always got excited whenever I saw the, the spaceship come on the screen because I was like, yes, I'm going in the belly of the beast. That one terrified me when I was playing that game originally. It's just like, oh no, Tanzer's eating me. Well, now you gotta what? love you got to love that the first time it happens to you because you're looking it's like, wow, this is a new spaceship. It's not like the one that has all the little, you know, speakers flapping around or the one that looks like a rocket. No, you get this one that kind of looks like a dragon and you're thinking, cool, I'm going somewhere different. No big deal. And then you get edited. And then you go, ew, this is gross. I just remember the first time that happened to me. I was so excited. I'm like, ooh, a new spaceship. And then I was like, oh, I shouldn't be excited by this at all. Yeah, for me, it's like the first time I went to Tanser's and Riki's story, which is to fight the actual Tanser boss. And that was, oh, yeah, that's right. I couldn't beat that one that time. So I was kind of traumatized and was afraid to ever go into Tanser again. But you have to as soon as you start the rune quest. So, yeah. You know, I actually loved the fact that um, the game pretty much allowed anybody to use magic. I mean, there was the robot who couldn't and uh, Ricky, right? The yeah. Two that yeah. Couldn't. But everybody robot. else could. And as, and pretty much the only, you know, penalty was, hey, if you pick one, you can't pick the other. Not a big deal. A but you of, could... There were a couple more limitations, like only the human characters could do mind magic and only the mystic characters could do mystic magic. But yeah. And Blue and Rouge can't use mind magic unless you've actually be- reached that point in their story. Etc. Yeah, yeah, but but even you have to be one still, and my body. Yeah, even still, I mean, it was kind of great. Um, the kind of like the tests that they put you through. I wasn't huge on the cards and the runes, but I really always loved doing the shadow magic and the light magic quests. I mean, I'm I'm someone who likes the the switchy mirror puzzles. Yeah. Um, and I loved I loved doing the shadow realm, and I loved fighting the shadow boss. That's one <laughs> that of the one, cool ones. Yeah, that's a really hard one though, which always has been kind of a problem for me. Yeah, but so if you do the shadow quest, then you can get silent. True. True. I mean, there's pluses to it. So I just thought that was, like, one of the more interesting aspects. The limitations, yeah, I guess they're kind of a pain. But, I mean, as long as you, you know, manipulated them to your advantage, everything was peachy keen. Oh, yeah. Anything Other else than the time lord. Oh, time lord. Let's... <laughs> Kill the Time Lord again. Again. Let's just put it this way. 
Saga Frontier. Maybe one day it'll appear on PlayStation Network so Nathan and I can go re-download it. Right, and Nathan? have fun again. Actually, I'm just... I'm really hoping that it ends up on Square Enix's list of games to remake, especially yeah. if it's especially if the same team that did Saga Two and Saga Three do the rest of the Romancing Saga games and then continue on to Saga Frontier. That would be perfect. Yeah, I'd love to see remakes of Saga Frontier or even Saga Frontier Two because they're both awesome. Yeah. Well, I say well, before we before we end this discussion, who is everybody's favorite character to play as? Starting um, with like Nathan. Go. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to say it. All Kaiser, because of his theme. He has an awesome theme. How about you, Mr. Baker? Uh, I'm going to go with Amelia just because I like the whole Charlie's Angels thing going on. Mr. Apps. Amelia. I always start with her whenever I go back to the game. We have two for the hottie. Jooms, yes. take us home. I'll support Amelia. That was a really cool opening, and it stayed cool up until the end. Three for the hottie Amelia. And just to throw it in there, I'm going to say it's Ellis, just because I liked Sexy Vampire Man. Yeah, it's Ellis. And I loved running. I I always loved the opening scene of hers. I love escaping the castle. The only thing that got me was White Rose drove me absolutely ballistic, and she was totes in love with Acellus, and they just should have been together, and lesbians! Yay! <laughs> I got nothing there, guys. I just thought the lesbians were kind of entertaining. <laughs> I mean, Especially because the like, localization doesn't give you the lesbians, but you know it's like so there. I actually thought it was pretty impressive that they had that much of an open portrayal of the relationship in the game as much as the translation would allow. Yeah, it's, because, it's impressive. Yeah, I mean, yeah they, um, they usually um, just clamp down on that kind of stuff really hard on the translation. Well, hey, they could have been worse. They could have made them kissing cousins. True. If For anyone some... remembers what they did to Sailor Moon. <laughs> I was thinking about that I earlier. I have blocked that translation from my mind. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not <laughs> yeah, I remember that. My Dungeons and Dam was never actually brought to America. Which is kind of depressing, because that game looked so fun. Yeah, there was a female character in that game who was very, very touchy-feely with the main character. Except around the fourth or fifth chapter, you find out that this character is actually a boy. No, not not boy-girl again! (laughs) Oh, incredibly so. To the point where nobody suspected that he was really a boy. And he doesn't so, change any of his behavior afterwards either because he doesn't see what the matter is. So why isn't this episode of RPG Backtrack called Saga, the boy or girl adventures? <laughs> why did we find figure this out? Now I'm not going to stop thinking about it. <laughs> when, wait till we get to Saga Frontier 2 where I totally admitted that I thought Gustav looked like a girl and thought he was a girl for like the first half of the game. Even you with the, didn't with see the his incredibly Swedish name. Okay. It was the outfit he wore in the first scene. <laughs> it looked like a dress. Don't they specifically call him a son? Like, right away? Yeah. yeah probably, but was I paying attention? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the first to admit my level of patience. 
Okay. Well, before okay. we hit the second game in full, I, I think we should give a shout out to how unique this game looks among all the SquareSoft lineup of PS1 stuff. Oh, that's true. That's very true. You mean the fact that it's actually very gorgeous, but everybody looks like bobbleheads? Yeah, I'm surprised well, yeah. all these people can actually walk around. It looks like they should be falling down and rolling head first everywhere. <laughs> yeah. You, you have to admit, though, the color palette in this game is is brilliant. Just the amount of color. The setting is by far, like, it's. this game has one of my favorite settings. Like, you know, if you go from a world like Junk to, like, you know, where Acellus is from, um, to the prison that Amelia escapes from, every world is unique looking. It's distinctive. And it has so much personality. And I hate that a lot of RPGs just don't do that anymore. Yeah, Sonic Frontier, the world Very where anything goes. Well, that's just it. A lot of the designs were really sassy. Like, you know, we didn't even talk about Baccarat. The casino, oh, yeah. which was amazing looking. Mm-hmm. Right? And then you go to the bottom of it and you find out that there's gold-stealing gnomes. <laughs> well, the, the entire place is run by the gnomes, though. That's part of their money laundering business. <laughs> but that's what I mean. The yeah. level of uniqueness to the level of or, the design is beyond impressive. Or Kowloon, which is supposed to be like a... A stereotypical, um, actually, an old-style Hong Kong slum, and underneath it, you have these crazy cave systems. Isn't that where, like, Doctor was it Nukescan is? Yep. Yeah, the, the Mad Doctor too. Yes. Who every time you go in there, you have to like you'll you'll notice somebody will go up to the door, and then there'll be the scream, and then the, every character will have like their own little thought process of, uh, what? And then you go in, and everybody gets their uh, what? scene with him yep. except for Ricky Ricky has like a full conversation with him <laughs> yeah well Ricky's Ricky and Blue can recruit him so Ricky's got him for a story Blue is actually optional recruitment one of my main team members for Blue because he's creepy and awesome and a mystic well, he's um because he's also a mystic you can get him in a Celis's story too ah true and um you can get him in one more I'm just trying to remember which one it was I I want to say I think it was red. You could go and get him too. I'm pretty sure it's just blue, really, other than the mage, R- Riki and Nacellus. Yeah, no, I, I know I remember getting with Acellus for sure, and I know I remember got it, I got him with Ricky, but I thought there was one more, because I don't think I ever got him blue. Did you ever beat the insane optional bosses? The one, um, the one in the Indian region's ruins and the one in uh, the Biolab? I beat, I beat Earth Dragon. I yeah, don't remember Dragon. one from. I don't remember um, one it, from the ruins. In the ruins, if you beat a certain number of bat type monsters in the area, you get a there, the giant there's bat. There's a shadow that oh, appears bat. in the room, and the, yeah, the abyss bat. I can't I, remember if I beat abyss bat. I beat abyss bat. I never beat the dragon. Course, I know that also, for sure. There was also Ferdo, but he was pretty easy as an optional boss. Yeah, there's also actually. I remember reading Ferdo was actually supposed to be part of Acellus' plotline, but they actually they ended up having to cut out all the story connections to him because he was a mystic who learned the human magic. Hmm. Yeah. He was actually a very weak mystic who taught himself human magics to make himself stronger. Neat. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so yeah like, lo- for me, 
Yeah, lots of wasted storylines in that game as well, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can swear to this. Uh, the more you dig into this game, the more you will find. Just yeah, all, you're gonna yeah, it's just, really hard sometimes. Yeah, that does even like it took me years to even find some of the random references they throw out in this game, like how like one of the attacks in the ultimate form of T two six O G is a reference to some random mecha anime. <laughs> stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Crazy game. I think we're finally running low on I think talk about the first one. Yeah. <laughs> I could talk about the first one for hours, but I'm going to be a nice person and not. <laughs> well, so we'd, we'd have to go into more crazy detail if we want to dig any farther. I think. And we will let, but we will let you type for hours on end on the boards. So go to board.rpgamer.com and share your thoughts and opinions on Saga Frontier. <laughs> I'm sure we'll nice get club. many. <laughs> and while you're rushing to type in that URL and get your opinions noted on the World Wide Web, we're going to take a brief break and come right back with some uh, Sega Frontier 2. Enjoy the music. Back to continue our discussion about Saga Front, the Saga Frontier series. This time we're talking about Saga Frontier Two, and uh, so this is uh, developed by Square here in North America, published by Square Electronic Arts, of course. Released in North America on January thirty first, two thousand. This is a single player RPG experience for your PlayStation One, <laughs> and this is rated uh, T. Is this T for terrific or T for terrible? Terrific. Okay. Terrific. I know it's got really, really pretty art. That's what really caught my eye when I was looking at this game back in the day. I just love looking at the screen. I mean, the screenshots look like... like Watercolor. Watercolor, thank you. They're absolutely gorgeous. But does the gameplay and the story and all that other fun stuff match up to the wondrous artwork that I see here? Well, it's got some of the best music I've ever heard in a video game, so at least that matches up. It's, it's also a very different style of play at times from um, Saga Frontiers, the first one, just because yeah, it's also it's, the most linear game in the series. Well, it's not really linear in the fact that you, you have extreme flexibility in what already take missions, but there's a certain amount of linear. It's very different from other Saga games. It, I mean linear in more in a chronological fashion. Uh, true, yeah. It's very much with the flow of time forward, which is, rather yeah. than just kind of exploring freely. Um, which means that you will have to do a lot of scenarios in order to advance to other scenarios. And yeah, there's two different lines to follow, the Gustav line and the Will line. But at the same time, you, you do kind of have to keep up one and the other on the timeline if you want to access everything properly. I think there's one or two scenarios where if you, if you mess up the timing on a bit... 
they just kind of cancel. But uh, not so, not important ones. But, you know. So that's why I never properly beat the game. <laughs> no, you probably didn't properly beat the game because you got to the point of no return and realized that your characters weren't strong enough. That no, was a master surprise for me. I I just remember that I got to what I thought was the end of the Gustav line because spoiler, you know, Gustav dies at forty nine. I got that, but then it, the game kept kind of going. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like basically Saga Frontier Two. It doesn't tell you at first, but it's a three generation story. Gustav's story is only the first generation of his story. What's more, Gustav's story is what I consider the incomplete one of the two stories. The real knight story is more the real story of the game, and it tells through three generations of the knight's family, so it's quite a bit bigger than it looks at first. So, Whereas the technical second generation of the Gustav story is actually the villain story at the end of the game. So. Uh. See, I just started playing this game for the first time recently, and I stuck with the Gustav story, uh, like for the first few hours, and then finally jumped into the other storyline because I had no other option. And the game didn't really explain who anyone was. It kind of just a lot better if you keep them going in tandem a bit, just keep switching back and forth, and you start seeing yeah. references to the history being made on Gustav's story and how it affects the localized. Yeah things in the other on Will's side. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, I, I could see that. It just seemed like it, it would have been better had they given you like um, some kind of, I don't know, summary of any any events you may have skipped or some kind of introduction if that's your first time, you know, doing that storyline. Because I jumped in and all I knew was he was looking for an egg. I had no idea what the egg was because I, I just gone with Gustav's storyline because it seemed more interesting. Yeah. Yeah, That's Frontier definitely a problem. Another take where they came up with a whole lot of backstory, but they didn't necessarily mention all of it in the game itself. They've done that before. Yeah. yeah. The thing about Saga Frontier 2 is that you really need to play through all the chapters chronologically based off of the actual in-game timeline. Uh, it's kind of hard to do, really. It's not easy. I know. It's, I managed it the first it time to game. But yeah, one of the gripes I had with Saga Frontier 2 is how, I mean, there's, there's very little chance to backtrack and just level up a bit. So the first time I played through, I ended up being woefully underpowered by the end of the game because I sped through certain larger areas too fast. So I had to restart, play through it again, and just... Like on the early Will scenarios, just focus on breaking as many weapons to pieces as possible in as many entertaining ways as I could find. So. Oh yeah, breakable weapons in this game, but they actually managed to make it a bonus. So. That was nice. Hello? I feel like the return of breakable weapons. Yeah. Gave me some yeah. nostalgia. But, I mean, in this game, money didn't carry over between scenarios very often unless they were um, directly linked by characters. A lot of the weapons wouldn't carry over except in the same circumstance. But the chips that you got, the anima chips that you got from breaking items, from using them too much, those did carry over. And so if you, you broke a lot of, if you got a lot of cheap weapons off of the enemies early in the game and you just used those exclusively and used them to pieces, 
then you could actually build up quite a stash to use later in the game for the good stuff. Also, it's like definitely helps. Isn't there someone you can talk to, to to get your? Sorry. Oh, just saying. Yeah, like... Oh, yeah. I was just yeah, definitely. The, there is a lot of ability to carry items forward, though, thanks to like item storage. I think and various other tricks definitely helps slowly accumulate a lot of the quells, the, the unbreakable magic quell items, to forward through yes. different chapters. So you have a whole arsenal of those at the end of the game. Yeah, the quells do carry over a lot, but I mean. Like, stuff doesn't usually carry over between the Will scenario and the Gustav scenario, for example. Yeah. I mean, towards the end of the game, the two lines converge, and so you get a lot of items carried over then. But even so, it's, yeah, it's usually, I mean, it's usually a lot easier just to use up what you have of the generic weapons, just because you're going to be getting a lot of them from enemies anyway. Anyway, how cool is the magic system? It's pretty cool. Yeah, I really like. Once I figured it out, I rather liked the magic system and the whole mythology of this world and all of the, how the rules it works and its story and everything. Just the different types of magic, the nature of anima, the steel, the contradiction between magic and steel weaponry, stuff like that. This this world's got a, a really cool feel to it, and. Uh, it feels kind of more cohesive than you'd find in some of the other Saga games. Partly because it doesn't go all out in every single possible direction the way that um, the Final Fantasy Legend games did or the way Saga Frontier did. So, I mean, it's limited that way because you can't use, you don't have the monster characters, you don't have the robot characters, you only have human characters to deal with, but... At the same time, the plot is something more like you'd expect from a Final Fantasy Tactics-type game. Yeah, it's much more comparable to the Romancing Saga games. and It's just a great story with a detailed world for old, that's a lot less about crazy elements and a lot more about just having a kind of interesting premise to the world. Yeah. It's definitely a, an interesting change of pace for the series. Kind of like, not the uh, first time they've done that, but yeah, it's the first time it came to America and that, they, that they did that. Right. Yeah. Not so all of definitely a massive change. I'm lucky enough to just have played Romancing game. Sagas. Well, if you would like a copy of the Super Famicom cartridge, I could probably oblige. <laughs> uh, and that's the only way you're going to play Romancing Saga 2 or 3 for quite a while. Oh, well, technically you could do it on the computer, too, but let's not talk about that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> anyway, there's there's like no good translation out there for it anyway. Yeah. Now, Mr. Apps, Mate. Yes. It, according to Wikipedia, uh, which, as we all know, is always right, so this is, good, this is completely <laughs> oh. correct, uh, Mr. Kawazu directed the first Saga Frontier, but only produced the second. Can you tell a difference? Um, as far as gameplay mechanics go, it definitely feels very rooted in the Saga series. Um, but I don't know if the the difference in like the story structure had anything to do with him being in a different role or, or anything. I, you know, it, it's hard to tell. It probably did though, because this game probably. definitely has a much more cohesive single backstory than a lot of the other games. I mean, but I mean, the Romancing Saga games also had pretty cohesive backstories for each of them, so it's hard to tell. But yeah. yeah. 
but and regardless, also know that uh, who is it? Masashi Hamazu is the composer for this one instead of Kenji Ito. Does that make a difference? Oh yes, it does. I mean, Kenji Ito is a great composer. He's done a lot of good music for the saga series, but Hamazu is really stellar. I mean. This is the game that made me certain that for all the people complaining that he's going to be on the, the, doing the soundtrack for Pulse 13, that it was in good hands because like, this is a beautiful soundtrack for this game. It's just absolutely gorgeous. Lots of recurring themes, lots of great stuff. It's, every t- you hear one song and you know it's from this game because it's just such a strong, coherent way it does the music. I love it so much. Yeah, I'd have to say that's the first thing I noticed when I... Because I just literally started playing this about a week ago. That was one of the first things I noticed right away. It was just the soundtrack. It's just, it's great. And, um, you know, I, I, I mean, I was a little worried because, you know, I thought maybe it wouldn't have aged well or, you know, maybe I wouldn't be as into this one. And But, you know, once I started hearing the music, you know, I was hooked. And I, I would say this game has probably aged pretty well. I mean, oh, absolutely. The, the graphics are the graphics are good. The music is good. The battle system. I mean, I, I can't really think of any other games that used an environmental based or environment based mana system the way this one did. I mean, the way that you could draw different magic types from your equipment, but you could also get it from aspects of the area that you were currently in. So if you were near a lake, you could actually use water magic more frequently, without mm-hmm. bothering, without having to equip water-based items on yourself. Now, I think this one could also use a nice remake because though I've liked the story a lot so far, it seems a little seems like a lot of the dialogue. I don't know with um, maybe they just couldn't fit as much English text in. It just feels like uh, it's missing a bit of detail. Yeah, it does. And also, there's a lot of little story elements that are kind of dropped here and there, especially in Gustav's story. That's why, yeah. as I said, Gustav's story feels a bit incomplete. There's just ways it tries to connect that don't make any sense to me. Like, the whole connection of Philippe III to the previous characters of Gustav's story just confuses me. Yeah, stuff like there's, that. A big dis- there's a big disconnect between Gustav and the Gustav line characters who show up in the final scenario. Yeah. As cool as they are. Yeah, as I mean, cool dual as... Wi- dual wielding the firebrand and a giant steel sword. That's cool. Yep. I can't wait for that. That sounds pretty awesome. Yeah. Oh, but just wait till you get to the final boss. <laughs> yeah, the final boss of this game is brutal. Absolutely oh, horribly brutal. Um, yeah, this is one of those games where you get the op. I mean, it gives you six elemental bosses before the final boss, and you can defeat four of them. You have, you have to choose. I mean, two of them you can beat in group battles. Four of them you have to take on with dual battles, and you and can only just, choose two of those four dual battles. And also, and if, if, you, if a character goes on a dual battle, can't join the final battle. Oh yeah. my god! But, but, I mean, you have two surplus characters in your party at that point. That's why you can only take out two of them. But whichever two elemental lords are still around, they will fuse with the final boss to provide it extra forms. But you also have the option of skipping all six bosses and extending the final battle to a, I think it was a 13-form, 200,000-plus hit point monstrosity. Oh, my God. 
which is thirteen if, forms. If, if, if I think that's how I think that's how many it turned out to be. I did a count up a long time ago. It was like more than ten forms, as many as thirteen, maybe. Yeah, I beat three bosses in a ten in a ten form final battle, and that was so. I think thirteen forms is the limit. It's just crazy. And which is why this. Why the final boss of this game is listed as one of the toughest in the series, and it's a series where the final bosses are notoriously nasty. <laughs> well, well, Mr. Apps, you've got your work cut out for you. Yes, I do. Actually, we were talking about you really get that feeling once you beat this game. Oh, yeah, you do. Especially since it's got a fairly nice way it all ends together. There's yeah. kind of it's not. It's kind of a short ending, but it's actually really amusing. That's a greatly appropriate one for the, how the story has played out so far. Yeah, it works quite well. Yeah. Also, yeah, just, I have need to say the villain. It, it's a weird villain. It definitely very, very different from your typical RPG villain. But actually, it kind of really works in its own way. So, wheels. Unless you want to be spoiled, you might want to mute for a moment. Okay. Um, someone send me some text when you're done with spoiling. Okay. So. Yeah. So, let's see here. The villain of this game is basically it's the egg. It's a weird it, name. It's an artifact. It is just an egg-shaped artifact that happens to be able to pos- to possess people. Yeah. It's like it's this. It's just this weird leftover piece of some utterly alien ancient civilization that whoever touches it, it's, it's utterly mind-controlled by the thing. And it's but this weird thing, thing is, this is all magic, a huge amount of magical power. But the thing is, almost every magical artifact in this game is taken from the same civilization. They're like yep. cosmic leftovers. And yeah, weird, the egg is... Weird yeah, the egg is just one of those... Um, pieces that happens to be sentient and just does not like the ugly little monkeys that are putting paws all over its thing. Yeah, it's just is left buried in a ruin in a casket of iron. The only thing that can actually, you know, hold back the magic is iron. So, and just Will Knight's father gets wrapped up in the battle against the egg, dragging his son Will Knight's into it, it many years later. Aaron, to lead on to a whole long multi-generation conflict, this whole family tries to dedicate itself to finding this egg and resealing it and before it causes a, a, a lot of problems, which it starts to really cause a massive chip problems for the world towards, later on, as if basically the, the man possessed by the egg becomes basically a, a false tyrant, to a pretender to the throne, leading a whole army to invade the world, using a giant army of really nasty soldiers. Yeah. And this whole army of the Edelritters, the six people who are each possessing one of the types of anima, who are turned into terrible monsters and serve as the strongest generals. Yep. It's really cool when you think about it. Yeah. So. so oh, man, does it make for a nasty final boss. Oh, God, yes. Can we cool ma- can answer Mr. Apps back into the conversation yet, or should we still plug his ears? Uh, no, we could probably let him back in. Yeah, I think we've done gushing over how nasty this thing is. Okay. I'm listening to y'all. I, 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 I'm, I'm just listening to y'all because I, I played this for about three, four, five hours. Loved the beautiful artwork, but kind of got lost with the whole switching to different characters thing that was going on at the beginning. 
Do they, does that kind of a theme throughout? Like you switch different storylines or something? Yeah, there's two main storylines. You need to kind of keep just jumping between them. It's, like for the most part, like there, it's only really relevant early on because there's only a strong second storyline in the early part of the game. But for the, most of your game time in this with the Wheel Knight story, with this occasional side thing with what's going on with the Gustav storyline. And the Gustav storyline itself is would probably have been done well as a George R. or J.R. What is his name? Song of George Ice R. and Fire guys. George R. R. Martin. It's, it's, the basics are something that he might enjoy writing about. It's that level of Broad real politics and people, every, people invading other people and high fantasy and everything else. Yeah. The building of great cities and like egg. Yeah. Oh, we should get that Sanderson guy to rewrite it then. Yes, clearly. <laughs> get Brandon Sanderson. It's his job to do that stuff. Yeah. I endorse Brandon Sanderson. He will fix all the problems with your fantasy world, then make it better. <laughs> But enough about Brandon Sanderson. He has nothing to do with Saga Frontier. Two. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe he could have something to do with a remake. Huh? Huh? I don't know. He's writing that really, really long Stormlight trilogy, which is like ten books in itself. I don't know. Isn't he writing a lot of things? He's got time. So, Mr. Apps, you, yes. you're saying that you would prefer this one to be remade ahead of any other Saga game. Is that what you're saying? Uh... Um, hmm. Probably not. <laughs> There's a lot of I'm good Saga games if, to remake. I'm just well, so problem, happy if they do them in order. Because that would yeah, mean Romantic Saga 2 is next. Yes, I'd like them to remake the ones that haven't come out here and then actually re release them here. And how about remakes yes. a really crappy one that looks like a board game? No, yeah. limited Saga. Yeah. That's a, that's We're not talking about that yet. Aw, <laughs> but... It's painful and made no sense. Oh, it and everyone sense. who Once played it should be crying. That tell you nothing about how to play the game. That game is the perfect example. Uh, but again, again, wrong game, wrong, wrong system. Bad game is bad. No. We can possibly assume bad. that if more Saga remakes come out on a system not the DS, then they might actually come here. Oh, and not the PSP either. We know that's not going to come over here. But yeah, by the, the time you get around to it, it'll probably be either the Vita or the 3DS. Well, I'd say those have better odds of making it across the ocean than the DS or the PSP, wouldn't you? Yeah. Especially if, if Square is going to be doing anything new or new-ish, they're Probably going to be going for the next generation at this point. Maybe or the iPhone. No, 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 no. Wait a second. Steal your mouth. Cut off your tongue, please. Goodbye. No, that would actually have a good chance of coming out over here. I think. I don't think I'd well, want to play a Saga game like l looking at Saga Frontier, Saga Frontier Two. I don't think I'd want to see one of those on a iOS. No. I'm sure maybe you. Romancing could probably do it. Just I with how it looks. My iPhone. You don't need oh. any more Saga games, sir. You have enough of them. <laughs> Go sit in your corner and play them. I'm yeah, but if, right I, now. if we're going to get a Romantic Saga remake, I want it to be a nice-looking one. 
So at, at least nice improving on at least improving on the Saga DS game. Well, at least improving off of the PS2 one. That one's good looking. Yes, it is. Oh, Which yeah. one? There's two. Well, Romancing the, Saga, the PS2 game. I'm yeah, the one that I actually like to talk about. The one I'm, that I have no, that I got from Glenn. Okay. <laughs> even though the, the video sequences in, in the Limited Saga were really nice too. And again, we're talking the wrong backtrack. Okay, Saga Frontier. <laughs> it's a sign that we don't have much else to say about Saga Frontier 2 other than it's really pretty, and if you like punishment, you're okay. Oh. But, no, <laughs> I'm surprised that we've spent less than a third of time talking about this one that we did on the first Frontier. Well, we kind of exhausted ourselves. It also is just, I guess, a little bit more straightforward of a game than the first one, which is yeah. kind of I mean, crazy. Saga Frontier 2 does have two different battle modes that aren't found in any other game in the series. Familiar to Switchhead sure. fans, but not as familiar to Saga fans. I mean, yeah, there's the dual system, which I thought was really cool. Oh, the dual system is great. Yeah. I mean, where you can just input different commands and have them um, in a one-on-one battle and just have, like, slash, 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 and you hit the enemy three times. And if you, hit, if you get the right combinations in and you're a bit lucky, you can actually intentionally spark new moves off of them. The only problem I had with the dual system is I didn't read the manual and they don't really explain it. This Otherwise, is what Game uh, Pack is for. Yes, this is true. Because you can also get the complete list of how to spark some of the stronger moves Ooh. using the system. It's actually a little easier to do it that way um, than some of I mean, obviously some of the attacks cannot be sparked in dual mode, but a lot of the better ones can, and some of the spells too. Hmm. Yeah. And then there's the stri- the strategic battles, which are interesting. Yeah. The... Even, even though the final stri- strategy battle is like a final boss worthy in its own right. Yeah, it's a meat grinder. A terrible, evil meat grinder. That's as I, awesome I mean, as fighting I, a gazebo. I actually beat it. It was pretty good. Yeah, it's hard. There's a very specific strategy you need to do, and it's not easy to pull off. It's definitely harder than any ma- multi- any mass combat battle I've ever fought in a Swicken game. So if that says something, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I didn't say it was easy to beat, but I did manage it at one point. Yeah. After I did the actual final boss of the game twice over. Um. Of course, which which also in, means um, the new game plus feature where. You can op- actually it opens up every single scenario in the game for you to play in any order that you wish. Can you use any character for that, or just a particular team? No, I mean it's whichever characters are set for that scenario. But, yeah. but the levels or the uh, equi- uh, material available can vary a, li- a bit. So, so you can take on some of the earlier scenarios and do it a lot better beforehand or some of the scenarios with the optional bosses like that super frog monster guarding the golden axe is a lot easier to take out if you're better prepared than you are the first time you go through the game or something like that one tree boss yeah wait there's a tree boss is this the same like sweet code and (laughs) 
four. So you didn't get far enough Sorry, in the game I like to, to compare get my it to Sweet Code, and I think it's as much as I love it. It's dumb. I know I haven't actually played the Suicoden, so I have no idea what you're talking about. There. In Suicoden really Four, the fun. final boss is a giant tree. Um, final Fantasy Five, the final boss is a giant tree. An awesome tree, though. He doesn't yeah, count. No, Suicoden Four was not an awesome tree. It was a turtle <laughs> tree made by a crazy man who liked old ladies. What? <laughs> I joke. I joke. I okay. just had a sense thing that we're getting there. significantly derailed here. It's my job. <laughs> Unless we want to talk about Golbez, which, yeah, he's no. he's pretty cool. No, no. no Golbez, wrong game. <laughs> okay, well, oh, think about hey, I hear Kefka is like, pretty think cool. About... <laughs> wheels, wheels, wheels. How far have you gotten in the game? Oh, wow. it was it was a long time ago. Just a just a few hours uh, in. I said, I said wheels, not Willis. Actually, uh, sorry, it's too many Michaels in this. I'm having to start using everything. Uh, I it, I'm defending a city from pirates, and I, this is the only the second Will Knight story I've done so far. Well, then that's like the fourth Will Knight story total. And okay, I there's one minor point of plot deviation I was going to mention, but I'm not going to because it happens at the end of that scenario and won't. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's I, a pretty much spoiler. I because I've gone and done the, the, uh, there was a choice to do the Will Knight story or the Gustav one, and I've already done the Gustav one and didn't like how it ended, so I thought maybe something would change if I did this one instead. No, it, there's a, Minor change that happens, but it's only specific to Will's storyline, and it really depends on who you leave back with the the thieves and City of the Night or whatever the place was called. Interesting. Okay. Thing. Yeah, you, you might be so better the bad off thing actually was starting and moving it equally on the sides at this point. Yeah. So what you're saying is Gustav is going to die, and I was wasting my time trying to avoid it. Yeah, he's, he's doomed. 49 when well, he dies. Well, that happens. But, <laughs> but it's such a wonderful apotheosis there, okay? I mean, it, it's not a meaningless death by any means. Okay. I mean, it's not like somebody just goes and assassinates him, even though somebody does try. You mean it's not one of those? Oh, that's depressing. Oh, so, oh, no, he, yeah. so it's not like some He's random character cool. gets stabbed through the chest by a giant long sword, and then there's sad music? <laughs> no, hey, no, I want not that like song that. at my funeral. Girl for forever. Hey, hey, hey. We don't that ever would speak be good. for death around good. me. <laughs> Not acceptable. She never died. Ever. Lies. I'll go back to reading my book. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, it's the two hours of sleep talking at this point. <laughs> so, any other thoughts of Saga Frontier 2? It's pretty. It's very pretty, very, very challenging, 
has some it's really beautiful. unique aspects. It really does have a good story. It's a lot of that does the whole multi-generation thing better than I t- you typically see it. Probably better than Fantasy Star Three. Yeah, well, Fantasy Star Three yeah. did it first, and yeah. thus was easily improved upon. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I also have to take my pot shots on that game when I can. I haven't even finished this yet, and I can already say that it does it better than Fantasy Star 3. Again, Every by being game pretty does much better than... Oh, Sam. <laughs> Everything's better than Fantasy Star 3. We've established this. It's, Remember it's that backtrack? Yeah. Uh, Man, yes, I'm sorry. Fantasy Star 3 is not great, but I would not say that everything is better than it. And neither would you. I have played games that were technically worse than Fantasy Star 3, and I don't really wish to remember them right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sure that, you Fantasy know... Fantasy Star 3 all... just such a nice low bar for success. Anything <laughs> that manages to do the limbo Mr. under this bar... Is... Remember a certain game that I talked about not too long ago, which I would most definitely classify under Fantasy Star 3, don't you? What, you mean silver? Uh, oh my god. You remember one that I pounded to the mat, bloodly. Oh, silver? yeah. Silver was one that you Heroes of Mana. <laughs> silver? Yeah. I remember silver. <laughs> Sorry, it's just always fun oh, to Oh, you played silver too? Why did you no? make me remember silver? Why would you do that? This is, this is a saga night. It's supposed to be a night of joy. <laughs> Because Sam had to bring us into the topic of badness. Thank you, Sam. I love you, boys. You, you know what's funny? Fantasy Star 3 was the first Fantasy Star game I played. You poor soul. <laughs> and, 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 and there's more to this story, you see, because I had asked for Fantasy Star 2 for Christmas, but some fine young gentleman at a Funko Land told my parents that they would be better off getting three for me. And <laughs> that's what they bought. Your parents were easily swayed. I guess so. Like my grandma when she bought me Final Fantasy 4 even though I already had it because she knows absolutely nothing about video games. <laughs> Am I the only one who had a parent who was actually really good about that kind of stuff? Yes. Yeah. Mommy, my, I want Tales of the Abyss for Christmas. Oh, and I got my grandfather gave me a little booklet full of rental coupons to the local Farmore, so I just rented a couple Game Boy games every week for a year. It was cool. Yeah. That's awesome. That, that's how I discovered the Final Fantasy Legend series and Final right. Fantasy Adventure. Yeah, because those were the only RPGs they had. That, cool. that was a gift that just kept on giving, sounds like. Oh, yes. Yeah, I was very happy that year. Meanwhile, my dad plays occasional browser games for five minutes between work shifts, and my mother plays nothing at all. Yeah, I don't have that problem. My mom, like, she knows the ending of Sweet Codens 1 through 5 because she watched me beat wow. them. My mom was a bad I- gamer. 
Yeah, I remember my mom just walking around in the background occasionally and commenting on how pretty the music was for various Final Fantasies and sagas and other games. So she really liked the ending tune for Final Fantasy IX, actually. My mom yelled from the other room to turn it down when I was playing a game and she was watching something on the TV. Uh, My mother would keep commenting about how the heads and all of the characters in RPGs were much bigger than their bodies. Why does it have to be that way? Why can't they just draw them regular? So so that they can have more recognizable head shape. You know, I tried. It look as ugly as Final Fantasy VIII, Phil. Jeez. I tried to explain all of that to her, but she wouldn't listen. Okay. No yes. wall. Remember, Games she didn't have a face. But this is not the mom backtrack. This is the RPG <laughs> backtrack. Aww. Aww. But it's my mom's it's birthday like tomorrow. It sounds like your mom is the only one who could actually contribute anything to the backtrack anyway. Okie dokie. So, final thoughts on Saga Frontier 2. You got 30 seconds to tell everybody why they should go out and buy it. Go. Uh, because it's a very pretty, very cool game, and it's really not like anything else on the system well, in many ways. This is true. <laughs> anybody else? And this is mostly a good thing. Anybody else? I'll just echo what he said. Yeah. <laughs> what he said. All right. Plus more music. Plus more praise of its music. Hmm. Yeah. Beautiful you know, soundtrack. We should Phil. listen. We should we listen have... to some of that music. Actually, Phil, we never really did a wrap up for the first Saga Frontier, did we? Well, actually, I think. Well, well Sam did a pretty good job. Actually, she <laughs> she sounded just yeah. like me. I didn't even know why I was here. Sam was just kind of leading everybody else, sounding exactly like me. I, 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 I just sat here and drank some more whiskey. I'm sorry, Phil. You were awesome. You were like, okay, you go. You go. You're just like me. You're awesome. I'm giving, I learned from the best. I'm giving Sam the Golden Mike Award for the year. We should give out end-of-the-year awards at RPG Backtrack. We should do that. Best games we replayed. Yeah. Huh. Anywho. Let's uh, let's let our audience listen to some of that wonderful Saga Frontier music, and we'll be right back. Blast from the recent past. And this is pretty recent because I remember beating this not too long ago. We are talking about tonight 
Might and Magic Clash of Heroes. This is developed by Capybara Games, published by Ubisoft. This was released on your Nintendo DS in North America on December 1st, 2009. Later on, Xbox Live, April 13th, and PSN on April 12th in 2011. And also, uh, not too long ago, on uh, in Steam uh, around September 22nd, 2011. This is a puzzle, action, adventure, RPG, single-player, multiplayer experience rated... 10 plus because apparently matching up monsters is very violent and we wouldn't want the nine-year-olds doing that so let me let me start off let me start off first because uh, i am a huge fan of heroes of might and magic i have all five games with all their expansions i have sunk hundreds of hours into them i love heroes of might and magic it's it's what i live for i've even played some of the uh might and magic rpgs and uh, most notably might and magic 7 and i think we did that on the backtrack some time ago i don't know i've, I've drank too much to remember but um <laughs> but so when clash of heroes was coming out and and they were talking about i saw some previews and they were talking about a puzzle game of some sort oh man my my face just turned sour you know i love the uh i love normal rpg the rpgs might magic games of the old uh nine was a bomb but the rest of them were pretty good um, I love the uh, Heroes of Might and Magic series games, even the ones that were weren't so perfect. I just love that formula. And now you're gonna throw a puzzle game my way? What? What the heck? This is what happens when I remember what was it? Uh, the company that had it before went out of business, and now Ubisoft has them. And and I was kind of expecting some things would get changed, but holy cow! So I was very very pessimistic, very skeptical when uh, before the game came out. But it came out, got some very interesting reviews. So I went out, grabbed myself a copy, and I could not put it down. Even though this game has no uh, story wise and gameplay wise, no. I think it does actually have somewhat of a weak. It does link. have a yeah, with the storyline. Tied to five. But the game, yeah, with five. But the gameplay, which, in all, in all honesty, I never really cared much about the game, the story in any of these games. But the, but the the gameplay, of course, has no link. But let me tell you what, it's addictive as hell. So, in my magic, oh boy, yeah, who, Sam, you play this right? Well, actually, I, I should just preface this by saying that um, I've actually met the developers who made this game. Yeah, yeah but you played it, right? Have you played it? Well, of course. I did the review. Okay, cool. So, <laughs> let, let's just, so, for the moment, it, just just focus on one thing at a time here. Tell, tell talk about the, the gameplay and why it's so, uh, so we know why it's so much different than Heroes of Might and Magic or Might and Magic the RPG. What's the gameplay okay, like? Okay, well. That's huge. When, when I first had the chance to play this, I was at Capybara's office here in Toronto, and um, I knew nothing about the game at all. Um, it was just, I saw it being advertised in the Toronto Star, and I thought, okay, no, I better go check what, what this is. Um, Andrew Long, the HR guy, he and I actually went down, and we sat and we talked with them. And we had the chance to sit there and play the game. We were only supposed to be there for about an hour, and we ended up playing for about two and a half on the dev copies that they gave us. <laughs> this game is really addictive because it's all about, you know, building walls and launching armies. The whole idea is that you're stacking based on color. So if you have a bunch of green dudes who are all... Like, every unit has its own color. Each unit is stacked by size. So you have your small, medium, and large enemy uh, battle types. You have to match, I think it's three or four, Phil. It's been a while for me. You have to, you have to get four. I think you have to get yeah, four. Yeah, it's four. 
So you have like four connected. They make three. A, well, three in a lot. Three or four. Yeah, three or four. <laughs> I just can't remember because it's been a while for me since I played and reviewed it. But the idea is you match them together based on color, and they have a turn order. So at the bottom of the screen, you'll see a turn order, and it tells you how long it's going to take for them to uh, perform their turn. And the idea, of course, is that you need to clear, obviously, all the enemies from the opposing side. Now, not every battle is structured this way, as there's a few where, for example, you use your armies to knock switches or barriers. Um, The infamous tree battle, where you have to, you know, save somebody from the tree. Um, Then there's the unique boss battles, which also require you to plan if possible, obviously, um, the way your turn orders would work, because you might only be able to hit certain parts of the boss, depending on how fast your turn order was, because if they moved out of the way, then obviously, you know, that was a wasted turn. Um, This game is just addictive. Like, you can sit there and pour hours into it and not realize that you're doing it. I mean, I spent a good chunk of the time playing this on the bus on my way to work when I was back working at the university. And I would just sit there on the bus and I would do puzzle after puzzle after puzzle because I just couldn't get enough of it. It was like, I didn't care about the exploration. I didn't really care about the story. I just wanted to keep the puzzles going. Yeah, and and and, and those puzzles are basically the, the battle mechanics, the puzzle. It's pretty much the same thing. The, the RP element is in the fact that as you go through these battles, you do gain experience points, as well as your different troop types gain experience points. So they they will level up. So if you're used to using a certain type of troop uh, over and over again, they will they will become more effective over over the long run. And your hero will get experience points, and his his or her stats will also increase, such as uh, how strong their walls are, how much their overall attack is, or whatever the deal is. Um, so there's some. Uh, well, and ar- don't forget, Phil. They also all had a special attack that would fill as they got hits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So every character had their own unique special attack that they could use. Right. So. Like. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, let's say like um, Arwen the elf. She had um, an arrow that once the bar was full, you could set the arrow anywhere you wanted on the screen and it would launch and you could just hit anything that was in its path. Um, the second character, I know his was a wall, I want to say. Like, he would just create a wall mm-hmm. and then that would protect you for a couple turns. There was the one with the undead skill, which for the life of me, I don't remember what the unsk- uh, undead skill does. I think it's just it gives you more skeletons or more whatever undead creature you're using, I want to say. It's been a while. Didn't the, didn't the undead one, like, turn all all your walls into a giant attack or something? Or, yes, that was what uh, it was. It would take, it would take your like walls. That. It would take your walls and use them to uh, make a, a massive attack. You're right. You're yeah. absolutely right. I couldn't remember because, it's like I said, it's been a while. You've played it far more recently, I think, than me or Phil. Yes, but I I, 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 I just released over here. <laughs> Was it released? Oh, I could just send you my copy. Oh, feel free sometime. Wait till Christmas when you get your Skittles. Okay. <laughs> you still have to be Tatori. But Skittles aren't available in Japan either. What? No, I I know of one store that used to sell Skittles, but they stopped doing it in 2006. My God, what happened to the Skittle market? Live. 
And I, I haven't seen them in any of those stores since then. And this is, this is the same store that only randomly stocks goldfish crackers. But, yeah. Well, I have to ask you then, have you ever seen sour Skittles? Yes, I have. They burn my tongue. Say, I don't think I sent you any of that the last time. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what Scott picked. <laughs> if it's not the peppermint ones or the chocolate-flavored ones, I am down with that. It's good. Okay. <laughs> anyway, yes, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna check out now since I have absolutely nothing to really contribute to this conversation except oh wow that sounds cool. So. Yeah. No. Um, they made an uh, HD version, which we, Michael. We can't do much about, about the fact that uh, Japan has not yet seen fit to release the game anywhere. Unfortunately. Evil. Evil. At least I don't think it has. Um, I guess I could always check that font of wisdom Wikipedia. Yeah, Wiki, Wikipedia doesn't show a Japanese release. It just shows North America and Europe. Yeah, it doesn't even have a Japanese language page to it, so yeah, there's no Japanese release. Okay. Yeah, what's up with that? Yeah, what's up with that? Yeah. And heck, Nation got a Japanese release. I even reviewed it. So. Uh, oh well. Yeah, well, we'll bid you a good night. Thanks for uh, being on the backtrack tonight. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Well, glad to be on. You are certainly a fount of saga knowledge, and without you, this would have been a much less interesting cast. I'm certain. <laughs> oh no, I'd like I'd like to be on the Star Ocean one, but I think I'm going to be in the air during that podcast so um, well that's far enough in advance that i may be able to jigger something wait um, you want to be on where adrian and i are going to yell at star ocean 4 oh i'm going to be on just long enough to talk about star ocean blue sphere which is which i'm going to dig out my game boy advance and play sometime over christmas vacation and you Again, played the super famicom I, version of the original game right yes i did which i understand it was very very different when it came to psp so that would be very useful I'll have to replay that one again, too. I'll have to dig it out. In fact, actually, I think it's in America right now, so I can play that over this Christmas holiday, too. Okay, well, see you guys later. Good night. Good day, good sir. Well, it's, it's only 1.40 in the afternoon where I am. I'm going to go get something else to eat. So, Talk to you guys later. Bye. 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 How about that HD remix? Oh, jeez. Yes. The fantastic HD remake. Well, Within well before, the, before we jump on that, but let's let's finish talking about exactly how the game works first, just before we talk sure. about how it got improved. Because there was also a strategy element to it. So the one part that might appeal to Heroes of Might and Magic people is the fact that as your hero's going around and you're kicking all these bad guys' butt or whatnot, you will find crystals and ore is it or something like that uh and money that you use to buy the higher level troops and troop replacements for those higher level troops so it's you find that kind of out there it's not a big mechanic uh i didn't lose troops enough to where i mean i'm pretty protective of my higher level troops and i had a heart attack every time one of them died 
because that's the one kind of little irritating thing is if you summoned a high-level troop on the board and for some reason he got his, his rear and handed to him, you realize you were going to have to buy a replacement uh, to keep your stock <laughs> full on that. And so uh, so there is a bit of an uh, – that kind of felt like Heroes of Might and Magic because the same thing in Heroes of Might and Magic. You could only afford so many of the higher-level troops, and if they die, you felt every single one of their deaths in your pocketbook, if nothing else. So uh, that kind of uh, was very reminiscent of the old uh, Heroes of Might and Magic series. Well, I shouldn't call it old because they just count six. But um, uh, so I, I wanted to put put that kind of out there too. You do play five different characters. Each one of them has different abilities, different focuses, and how they play on the board. Um, each each and it's kind of refreshing because right when you kind of feel like the gameplay is getting a little stale, they throw you a new character who handles a little bit differently, and it kind of renews your interest again. Though I kind of felt like leveling up five characters in a row real fast was. By the time I got to the fifth character, I was pretty well ready to be done with that idea. Um, uh, and you get an artifact, right? You get a you get an artifact or something that you can equip that can also help. Uh, very much like Heroes of Might and Magic, you can equip. Uh, well, Heroes of Might and Magic lets you equip multiple items. At least the older ones did. In this game, you get to equip one artifact that, in a similar fashion, enhances your troop capabilities or your capabilities as the leader of the armies. And like Heroes of Might and Magic, like you were saying, Sam, you know, your heroes basically on the background watching all the troops fight and throwing a little magic spell in every now and then as part of their special ability. Uh, but they're also the ones with the hit points. So when when they when the troops can't protect them anymore, the hero takes damage. When the hero dies, the, you lost. And you're trying to do the same thing most of the time to their end. But it's still very puzzly at the same time because sometimes you got these big boss battles that are very puzzly in how you must approach them. It's a very good combination of puzzle and uh, strategy, I think, as far as how you approach things. Uh, you can approach things in different directions. It's not like a puzzle where there's just one solution or just two solutions they figured out ahead of time that you got to figure out. But rather... Um, but rather, you can approach most of those uh, attacks with the with the character with the enemies in any variety of ways, just like a strategy game. Um, though there are some boss battles that you have to figure out some special mechanics on. So now, with that being said, the DS game was absolutely fabulous, and it was just it was just really well reviewed, really re- really well received, and apparently so well uh, sold that they went ahead and made some HD remakes. Which I'll open yes, up the did. floor to somebody else to talk about those. I could talk about that since I reviewed the HD version. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Uh, well, uh, you know, it was, when I first heard about this, I didn't really know how a remake, uh, HD update of a DS game would go, but they they actually did quite a fantastic job. You know, they re- obviously redid all the sprites, brought them to HD, added in some nice HD backgrounds. You know, there's a little, some interface things that make it look kind of weird in HD. Like, you know, obviously the game's oriented around being played on two screens on the DS, so uh, when they translated that to HD, you kind of have some unused space on the sides that they kind of tried to cover up with some backgrounds that didn't always work. But, I mean, other than that, you know, the gameplay obviously translates perfectly, and, you know, they did a great job with the graphics. They, uh... Um... You know, the... Story storyline graphics has kind of got that uh, Japanese RPG tradition of the you know the little talking portraits and you know it's got a great look to it. So kudos to them for really you know not you know just kind of 
throwing the DS graphics up there or something like that. You know, they really went full out remaking that game. Game and it, it, it it's just just as good as it was on the DS. Now I, I I've only played a little bit of the DS version and I think they changed around some of the character abilities between the versions. Uh, some of the spells are a little different. Um, but, but I don't know if they made any other tweaks than that. But for the most part, it's the DS game with prettier graphics. Yeah, I remember reading that they were uh, redoing some of those uh, graphics, or not graphics, but the um, abilities, tweaking some of them, making them a little bit more. Because some of the artifacts were pretty useless. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so they were going to kind of tighten those up a little bit. Uh, might have made some gameplay balances too, as as was kind of necessary. Um, uh, now I do have it on my PlayStation Three, and I played through the first couple of chapters. Uh, haven't gotten too far on that one just yet because I've been um, pretty busy. But uh, yeah, it does look they did about as good job as they they could do. It's it's kind of ironic because you're playing this game that's meant to be played on two s- screens that are arranged uh, vertically. But you're playing yeah. it on one widescreen monitor, so you see all this wasted space on the sides. <laughs> you almost kind of wish you could just turn your television 90 degrees and and play it that way, and then it would look probably you know really awesome. Um, but yeah, with I, I wonder if they would have been better served kind of switching the orientations of the battles, so it was kind of yeah would have really horizontal. would have really hurt to somehow switch the orientation horizontally. I don't really think so, but. Uh, the, um, uh, cause I will say I got like a 30, I don't know, 35 inch television and it's hard to see some of the colors and numbers, uh, on some of those enemies. So if you're sitting four feet back or so, so that can be a little rough sometimes. Mm, but with that being said, yeah, it's still very gorgeous, and I and I, you know, uh, the, the the gameplay is compelling, uh, definitely very very compelling. So I have no problem just you know, suffering through the teeny tiny numbers and just working my way through it because it's it's just too much fun. Oh, absolutely. The colors get me once in a while too for some reason on the PlayStation version because they yeah, like you'll have like the deer that one deer has a green trimming, one has a blue trimming, and the whole thing about this game is you're trying to in the battles you're trying to connect. Um, your troops of the same color so that they activate. Uh, and once they activate, there's so many turns before they rush forward and attack. It's turn-based. Um, so it's important that you know that your deer has a blue ribbon on him or a green ribbon on him. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I've wasted a few turns because on that on the PlayStation version on my, my television because I thought he had a blue ribbon and he had a green ribbon or vice versa. Thankfully, most of the monsters, they're like completely blue or completely green. So uh, or gold or whatever the color may case may be. So it's not a prominent issue. It was just on the the deer that I remember when I was playing through the forest level. So uh, yeah, I remember. I actually remember that issue as well. But for the most, but you, you, like you said, for the most part, it, it's easy to tell. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's easy. So um, uh, yeah, I think it took me about wow. How long did it take to get through the game? What, 15, 20 hours or so? Maybe 25? It's kind of hard uh, to tell right, because right I did... in that range. Yeah, I did it through multiple sessions and stuff. So I'm not super sure. It, there's some little side quests you can do so you can lengthen it out a bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. There's definitely side quests you can do. You can pick up some extra, and that kind of makes it feel more RPG. Uh, you in flavor. You can pick up side missions. Uh, you can do little. Uh, yeah, like you said, I keep repeating myself, but side quests and stuff for people that are around, and and they'll provide extra bonuses. Uh, it's worth doing because you're not only going to get whatever they're willing to pay out as far as crystals and gold go for doing the missions, but you'll get extra experience as well. And I think that's you know the biggest resource yeah. in the game. Uh, games like this, uh, where experience becomes a resource in and of itself. Leveling up is important. It can really help you in some of the more difficult battles. So it's not usually wise to pass up any opportunity for experience points. So, and I was like looking for opportunities sometimes just to get into battles. But as long as you're <laughs> as long as you're uh, you're you're taking them on, you usually have no problem being the max level, which is ten. For any given character, before you make it to the uh, make it to the end of that chapter. Hmm. Cool. Um, and the art style, yeah, it's kind of an anime art style, uh, which I personally find attractive. It's very uh, reminiscent of Heroes Might Magic Five. If you've seen Five, you kind of know what to expect here. It's you know four, uh, you know Heroes Might Magic Two was very cartoony, but it was American cartoony. Three went for a more realistic style. Four kind of carried that on. And that's when, uh, uh, dang, for the life of me, I can't remember. Oh, 3DO went the way of the dinosaur, and Ubisoft took them over. When Ubisoft <laughs> released Heroes of Might Magic 5, it came with a more anime uh, flavor to it. It wasn't super anime, but it was just a touch. I loved it. I loved the fact that the characters were just slightly exaggerated. It's kind of like that. Uh, not quite World of Warcraft. It's not that far into cartoon land, but it was. it was just enough to make you... You know, to give it that manga flair. So um, this one is uh, Heroes uh, or, or Clash of Heroes is definitely very mangaized. You definitely got anime characters um, when you're looking at the uh, pictures of them talking, and I I like the artwork myself, but that was just me. Don't really remember much about the music. Was the music good? It was it was decent enough. Yeah, I don't remember much about the music. I was too busy just. Man, I was just too busy playing, playing it over, playing, yeah. playing battles over and over again. They're so much fun. <laughs> it's one of those games, you know. It's it's good praise, but it's one of those games where you want to get into fights. You just oh, you just want to fight, absolutely, <laughs> just so you can match up things and just watch them rush forward. And 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 you know the other thing that I can't sing enough about this game. It is well, well balanced. I don't know how oh, yeah. many RPGs I've played where the enemies are too easy or too hard or you got to needlessly grind. In this game, this is one of those games where as long as you – especially if you're just going to grind as you go along as far as making sure you do all the side quests, taking the opportunity to take any extra fights that are available, which aren't that many, um, you will – you will find that the boss battles and uh, the end encounters are very much, <laughs> very much going to give you a challenge, and you will have to think about what you're doing uh, in order to pull off uh, successes. But as long as you think about what you're doing, uh, that's what I love so much. Uh, then you most of the time will get away with a victory. Um, unlike I'm playing like uh, I'm playing Dissidia right now. And uh, in Dissidia, you know, there are just some enemies, especially some of the bosses, where it really just comes down to luck. You spam the same attack and you just hope you hit him. If you hit him first, you're going to win. If you if you get hit first, you're going to lose. Uh, this is not the case with Might and Magic. You think, you're, you think your move's out a few moves ahead. Uh, you take a look at what your enemy's doing and you kind of plan to block him when you need to block. And you'll usually come out ahead. So I have to, I have to give them credit for making that – making it pretty darn balanced. Oh, absolutely. Uh, they just all around the 
gameplay systems were just very well designed. And they nailed it on the first the first try. They nailed it on the DS version. I mean, yeah, they did. That was what was really astounding. And and now I'm playing the PlayStation version. It's tweaked even further. Uh, yeah, I remember. I remember. So I've gone through the DS version. So I should be an expert at this now. But I remember booting up the PlayStation <laughs> and having to bite my fingernails a little bit on some of those battles, thinking, "Hot dang! If if I played the DS version, I've got you know 20 hours underneath my belt. I I don't know about the noob who just came to the table." <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely a game that you gotta you gotta be ready to bring your A game and you gotta be ready to bring your thinking cap. You're not gonna just hack and slash and match a few colors like Bejeweled and think you're gonna get uh, get ahead. So, alrighty. Any uh, I I personally I can't praise this game enough. I would have I I don't remember if I did a review on it or not, but I think I would have given it a four or four point five. I reviewed it. I gave it a four. Awesome. I- believe I gave it a four as well. Awesome. You two can I stay on the show. We have, we have like four reviews for the game. All of it all of them gave it a four. Yeah. <laughs> did, didn't Anna review it too? Anna and Mac did. Coolie coolie. Is there anything? So There's only that's... one dissenter among all the people we know who have played the game and his view doesn't count. His view doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget the hate email I got. That was oh, so geez. amazing. Oh, boy. It's okay. <laughs> I expected it at one point or another. And, you know, given the fact that it's now on the oh, X... Good old email. You're right. So it's on the Xbox, it's on the PlayStation Network, it's on your PC, and it's on your Nintendo DS, which works on your 3DS, because I know everybody has a 3DS. Um, yeah, there's really very little reason not to give this guy a try. So, And you can Buy find... It. Oh, we should, we, should find, we should look up the prices, right, Mike? Isn't that what we do on this we show? Should. We should. We, we didn't even look up did... the prices for Saga Frontier. Oh my gosh, we didn't look up the prices for Saga Frontier. <gasps> oh my gosh, what, are, what, what is our problem? We're slipping... All right, because nope. we know after listening to our show, everybody – because you can't get Saga Frontier. Now, listen to this, people. This is very important, okay? Because now that we've done this show and we've given Saga Frontier pretty much a thumbs up, one and two, we know that demand's about to skyrocket, okay? So if you're listening to the show as soon as it hits the, the servers, you need to go out and buy a copy right away because the, the value is just going to go up now that everyone's listening to Backtrack. Everyone, the demand is just going to go through the roof. So Saga Frontier 1, you can grab that guy used if you don't mind getting a case or not getting a case or whatever have you. You can get that for about, wow, about 20, 25 bucks. Um, oh, there, there is one copy that says it's got some lightweight on it for $10 um, from Nevada. That's, that's probably a good deal right there. But, uh, but the other copies I'm seeing are about uh, 20, 25 range. Um, some people are selling them as high as... Um, uh, Seventy bucks. So, oh, is there anything special about those copies? Uh, he says he's got the manual and the jewel case, but it's not shrink wrapped, so I'm not sure what he's thinking. Um, of course, he's got an 88 percent rating, so perhaps he's not exactly the brightest <laughs> candle on the on the on the uh, cadaver there. Anyway, we have Sega Frontier Two, and uh, that one is similarly going for about twenty bucks uh, used. Uh, if again, if you're not too picky about uh, whether or not it comes with instructions and as such, there is a gentleman selling it brand new. He's got a great 100% rating for a small price of only 65 bucks. 
So I, I, I doubt the shrink wrap is worth 65 bucks. So use your own discretion there. A Clash of Heroes, you can you can buy that on Steam or uh, any of those. Uh, it can't be more than 10 to 15, 15 bucks. I mean, hell. I mean, it's 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 a downloadable game. I'd buy it for twice that price. Yeah, easily. Now I bought it for I bought it brand new when it came out for what was it thirty thirty five. I remember the day I went out and bought it because uh, Shirley and I were uh, we were out shopping and I and I saw it on the shelf there and I kind of impulse buy it and and and, and holy cow I tore through it. On one hand, I, I felt kind of bad that I spent thirty thirty five bucks on the game and beat it in like twenty hours. But, <laughs> I mean, I tore through it in like one week, but that's how it kept me glued to it. Most of my games I buy and they take months for me to beat because I don't I don't play but a, a few hours a week, but. Uh, you know, Clash of Heroes, man, just sucks you in. Just mm. anyways, if you want, if you if you don't have access to an Xbox or PlayStation, and you're not a person who likes to play on the computer, you want to play in your DS, you can grab a used copy of that easy enough for about 15 bucks. Even brand new in a shrink wrap is is not much much more expensive than that. So there's definitely many ways to get your Clash of Heroes on. You know what? Mike, we should ask a really tough question today. Yeah, because maybe I'll give away a copy of Clash of Heroes. Ha <laughs> ha. No, nah, I don't have time to go to the post office. <laughs> it's the holidays. I still haven't got Mike's Mike's little gift out. Or no, I send out Mike's. I send out somebody else's. All right. All right, cool. Well, that was awesome. Well, we'll be right back after these commercial messages. Well, it's not really commercial messages. It's music. But we'll be right back anyways. These entertaining messages. Entertaining musical messages. Yeah. We'll be right back. <laughs> Mr. Minky, I understand that some people had some comments for us on the boards. Mr. Von Beardley, for example, said that he has not gotten around to installing Freedom Force yet. What the hell, Von Beardley? Uh, what 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 are you thinking, man? Come okay, let's, on. See, let's see what his justification was. No, there, there was some justification. Th- there's no justification. You know, something about I end up. Uh, you know, losing power during a sand. So I don't care. You got power if you can post this on the internet. You can post that I haven't got Freedom Force installed yet. You could have installed Freedom Force. It's not that big of a game. Let's see here. He says, in regards to Wizardry for the PSN, the game gets much easier once you find better equipment. That, of course, means lots of fighting, which which is true. And Wizardry on the PlayStation Network is a very much an old-school go-and-grind-your-ass-off uh, dungeon, old-school dungeon crawler. But, you know, if you're not careful, you'll get your butt really, really kicked. So um, he said, I did manage to get a lot of decent equipment on Shin Dungeon Level 4. Train everyone as a bishop at some point, so everyone has every spell before you put them in the final class you want them as. My final priority so far is Samurai, Samurai Lord, Ninja, Bishop, Bishop. 
Apparently, if you can find a katana called Muramasa, it can one-hit kill the bosses. So, there's food for thought. But wait, there's more. Right, Mike? Well, we can talk about Shaman uh, being justifiably flabbergasted at the price of a brand new Paper Mario copy. I, though, again, I would not recommend paying for a brand new shrink-wrapped copy of Paper Mario when it is easily available through other methods. Indeed, indeed. uh, Kisaki Project says, man, this is going to be controversial. I hated Paper Mario 64. Oh, but this is amazing. This is one of the very, very few N64 games that was not subtitled 64. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Well, this is true, too. Uh, He, she, it says, I did not appreciate the humor. Well, you know what? I, actually, I, I have to kind of side Kasaki on that one. I, I've never been a big fan of the, the Paper Mario series humor. Every time I play them and they, they're cracking little kitty-type jokes, I'm thinking maybe the seven-year-olds get it, but there's not too many times I actually laugh when I'm sitting in the – yeah. Uh, let's see. The time uh, – this was around the same time I got in a PS1 and played through most of the Amazing Library. So when I got to Paper Mario, he uh, kept putting 64 at the end, and we know that shouldn't be there. I was just massively underwhelmed. Never got the game cube one so i don't know but he says we're wrong what do you mean he wrongs what you guys are just wrong what we're not wrong we're always right at rpg backtrack what are you talking about apparently he just came out of the bizarro world that's my synopsis Mm-mm-mm. <sighs> and then pause said uh well why is that controversial <laughs> Because he went against everybody on the cast, apparently. Yeah, yeah. But that's not controversial. It just means we're right and he's wrong. That's all. There's nothing yeah. to argue. Controversial means that there's an argument about something. You know, there's there's room for debate. There's really no room for debate. See, you either agree with us and you're right, or you don't agree with us and you're completely wrong. So that's all, that's still, all right. Still, you got to admit, this is less, con- less uh, insane than to openly affirm that Twilight is a bastion of literary greatness and that no one should ever make fun of it because it's so beautiful and everyone in it is such a fully formed character with such complex personalities and such rich subtext to all of the material that scholars will spend decades examining, looking at, and learning all about human society. See, now that would be a statement of true insanity. Well, unless, of course, you're watching the Rift Tracks version, in which case it does become <laughs> literary art in motion. You have got to see it. RiftTracks.com, people. I'm just plugging that in. All right. Oh, man, the badger, just, the badger just killed the cameraman, and now the camera's spinning into the sky. I'm telling you, it's something. So, uh, uh, you know, and Ombre says, that's what I like about this forum, that you have the right to an opinion about any game and no one's going to flame you about it. It's nice uh, in the, the contrary to have so many different opinions. After all, we are our own person with our own taste. And that's right. You are welcome to go to board.rpgamer.com. You can, you can post about any of our podcasts we've done at RPG Backtrack. Let us know your thoughts and opinions. Just understand, of course, that if you don't agree with us, you're wrong. We won't flame you. We won't argue with you to death. What's there to argue? You come on the forums and you say the sun is blue. What's there to argue? You're wrong. That's all. We're not going to flame you about it. You know, it's cool. 
So, anywho. This is exactly how we need to handle more forum discussions. Yeah, I mean, really, it would really cut down on the stress if we just said, hey, you know, Phil and Mike are always right, and everybody else is always wrong. It it's really cuts down on the needless uh, postings back and forth. Sam, what's your stance on this? Um, I was asleep on my desk. Yay! Oh. Yay! Okay, then uh, we'll take that as agreement. That's right. Once again, somebody else agrees with us, and that's awesome because that means they are right. <laughs> so, Mister, uh, let's uh, let's uh, let's do our plugs for the night, Mister uh, Nathan. Is there anything you would like to plug to our vast audience of millions who are listening with abated breath to this podcast, waiting for your every word to drip from your lips? What do you wish to plug to them tonight? Uh, I'm not sure what to say. Be careful in playing Skyrim because apparently during the recording of this broadcast, my brother might, my brother might have overwritten my Skyrim save simply by starting a new game. <gasps> and this is not born. So I might need to deal with that soon. Get Evil. out. So what we'll be – next week we'll be, uh, we'll be um, all mourning the death of Nathan's brother who, who erased <laughs> his save game on Skyrim. Well, on the I mean, at least you didn't erase your game like after you actually put like millions of hours into it, I suppose. But dang, no, just a couple of days. Finally bought a house. Oh my goodness, you bought a house that is so freaking expensive in that game. Oh it man, we'll 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 all come to his funeral. Just just send me an invitation. But are you enjoying the game so far? Skyrim's out. I I know a lot of my friends yeah, are playing I, it. Yeah, I've only been playing it for a couple of days, but Skyrim is fun. It's I'm not really a Western RPG guy, but this is far and away the most fun I've ever had with Western RPG. Have you, I haven't played an old schools game before. That's my caveat. But have you played so, yeah. uh, Have you played Oblivion before? No. Okay. Cool. Oh, cool. But you're enjoying Skyrim. Skyrim. That's interesting. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> oh well, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, well, we'll give you some more time with it, uh, Nathan. When you're on a future show with us, you'll have to give an official uh, recommendation to our audience. Uh, and and if you do a full review, of course, you'll want to plug that so that everybody can go and run and read it. Mister Apps, how about you? Yes. Anything you would like to plug to our vast audience of thousands and millions and billions? Two things. Go for Number it. one, Uncharted 3 is the best non-RPG I've played in a long time. Oh, it's gorgeous. It is absolutely beautiful. It's like I watching a movie in motion. love that game so much. Mm-hmm. And number two, mm-hmm. if you ever go on a cruise, a PSP Go loaded up with tons of old PS1 games is a great thing to have along with you. You know, and that's I, – I don't have the PSP Go, but I have the uh, PSP uh, 2 or 3 or whatever it's up to now, 3,000 or whatever, with a 16-gig stick, and I pretty much do the same thing. And I play nice. a bunch of PS1 games. I was playing the Warriors since you all mentioned it earlier. Um, I think it was before the cash out we were talking about the Warriors. The game is really, really good. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the movie, so – Awesome. Yeah, that's definitely the way to go. I think the PSP is kind of a little underrated. And in all honesty, if someone come to me and say, what portable system should I get right now? I'd say, go on and get a PSP because 3DS, not so much right now. The last game. time I took a cruise was in 2000, so there was absolutely no option to use a PSP at the time. And I get the uh, – I get the. Um, I don't know if you have this. Oh, no, you wouldn't have it on a go. But I have the extended battery on it, and it lasts for like eight, nine hours. It's awesome. Uh-huh. 
you can't you can't even take out the battery on a go. Yeah, but the go but the go at least feels nice and smaller in your pocket, so that's awesome. Yeah. But I mean I never wore out the battery that quickly, so just charged it up at night and it was fine. Yeah, I think uh, well, I think before I put the extended battery in it, which is like forty bucks on Amazon, uh the regular battery on the normal PSP with the disc running, you know, here and there, um I was probably getting about three hours or so of gameplay. Uh, maybe four on a good day if I was just running off of the memory card. So just kind of depends on what you're running there. But yeah, yeah. I've got a frame with a PSP Go, so it's pretty awesome. If you have a PSP 3000 and a Go, do, does your game show up on both? Um, yeah, yeah, you can download it to both. You can download it on up to five systems, and for games bought after some point this month, it's only three. But if you have two PSPs, yeah, you can download it on both. Mm-mm, the wave of the future. Yes, of course. If you bought a bunch of UMD games, you are pretty much out of luck. If you get a go. Yeah, don't get a go if you have like I have like 50 UMDs. Don't don't do that if you have 50 yeah. UMDs like I do. I got like a whole drawer full of UMDs. My UMDs have UMDs. <laughs> Coolie beads. Cool, cool. All right, Miss uh, Marshmallow, you awake? Yeah, I'm anything sleep. Anything you want to plug? Um, two things. Uh, Jim C. Hines' Princess series is absolutely awesome, and if you love fantasy novels, especially lighthearted ones, it's worth reading. Uh, second, I posted a review for Rune Factory Tides of Destiny. It'll probably be my last review of the year, just because of personal crapola. Um, that being said, is it the worst game I've ever played? No, but it did get a 2 out of 5. Ooh, feel the burn. I was excited for this one, so that's part of the problem. Mm. Um, Rune Factory Tides of Destiny is a game that unfortunately um, has a lot of glitches. At least the copy I was playing was a glitchy mess, because after I hit the water shrine, it was nothing but glitch city, baby. Ouch. And I still managed to beat the game, but that was the most painful 80 hours I think I've ever put into something. And... When 20 of those are fun, that's not a good sign. Ooh, a 1 out of 4 ratio. We'll give that an in for nasty. There are people on the forums who are already saying, no, I'm wrong, and that's totally fine. I'm, I'm cool. Well, I don't hate, like I said, I don't hate the game. There's so much that I liked about it, but if I had not gotten all the problems that I had gotten, the game easily would have scored higher. How many of those people on the forums, though, have played in completely through? Well, that's what my argument is. I mean, I, in all honesty, guys, you know, those who are listening to us and whatnot, the, the, it, it's one I, – I, we've all had friends who picked up a game, start playing it, and they just hype the mess out of it. And, I mean, that leads to a lot of other games being bought. And developers know this. So a lot of times they'll make the first you know, dozen hours. That's where they'll really focus some of their efforts on if they're crunch for time and stuff. But stick through the entire thing, and that's one of the things about RP Gamers reviews. We force our reviewers <laughs> to play through the entire uh, the entire experience. And uh, there are times where, unfortunately, uh, partway through that uh, that game, it'll just fall apart because uh, for you know whether it's bugs or they just didn't you know balance it well enough towards the end. That big boss that just kicks your rear end over and over again. Uh, that sort of thing really factors into our reviews, and you don't get that on a lot of other websites. You really don't. I don't know how many reviews I can I can easily discern now how many of them just don't even play the game all the way through before they post their review. It's sad. 
Yeah, see, I also played Rune Factory Tides of Destiny with a friend, and she was screaming and swearing just as much as I was, and her review's going to probably be posted in the next week or so. Cool, cool. But she works for a different website, and therefore I shouldn't plug it. No. You can share your misery together. There's That's... nothing wrong with that. <laughs> That's what we did for, for two whole weeks when we pulled all-nighters on it. Your dedication to duty is outlandish and enviable. <laughs> Mr. Mink- no, it's really not. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Minky, is there anything you'd like to plug? Well, I could talk about a certain movie called Joe Kid, which mostly demonstrates that even if you put him into a not great Western, Clint Eastwood is inherently awesome, and everything he does in this context is absolutely awesome because Clint Eastwood is awesome, and if anybody disagrees, I will ignore you forever because that opinion is absolutely invalid and actually will not reach my eyes or ears. It is so outlandish and stupid that I refuse to acknowledge it could possibly exist. No, the really cool thing about Clint Eastwood is that if you don't think he's the most awesome kick-butt person around, he comes over and kicks your ass. So that's okay. You either like him or you're dead. When Clint Eastwood <laughs> is having trouble with a couple of guys in his prison cell, and he is finally being taken before the judge, and his response is to first toss the contents of the food dish into some guy's face, wait for the guy to get it out of his eyes and get mad and jump at him, then bash him in the head with the pan, and then look at the other guy in the cell and go, you want some? That is just an awesome moment, and anyone who disagrees, go away. <laughs> I, I Honestly, I can't say the movie is great because it isn't, but it's got Clint, it's got Robert Duvall as the villain, and it's got John Saxon as... A Mexican, but whatever. I can handle that. Cool. Yeah, have, have you... Other movies, but that's enough. Have you, um, have you done anything on the site lately that you want to plug? Uh, something directly related to this? Like no, just any... You, you can plug anything. Well, the Saga Frontier review is the most recent thing I did. Unless you count a poll I made, but that doesn't count. <laughs> And yeah, I'm I'm not going to dispute with anybody. I enjoyed Saga Frontier in large chunks and was puzzled and baffled at other points. So that more or less mirrors in miniature what everybody else has been saying. <laughs> cool. Well, I will review will be directly related to something that we will talk about in not too long of a time. So I'm not going to talk about it right now. I'll save it. Well, I haven't had uh, the, I haven't really had the opportunity to play any computer console-based uh, RPGs lately. Um, I've I've still been doing a lot of pen and paper Pathfinder type of stuff. Um, it's too bad uh, Mr. Scott Wachmater, whatever his name is, isn't on here because um, I could chit chat with him about pen and paper because I've been doing a buckload of pen and paper. Um, but I did finally finish New Super Mario World or whatever it's called on the Wii. And now I'm playing the new one on the 3DS because I had a 3DS. And I'm like, I'm looking for new games. I'm starved for new games to justify the purchase of the brand new 3DS. And uh, so I rushed out to get uh, that today. And I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I'm already halfway through it. So <laughs> it's either incredibly short, it's incredibly fun, the time's just flying. I'm not really sure which one, though. That's the That's the scary thing. So it definitely feels a lot shorter. It feels significantly shorter than, let's say, New Super Mario World. 
uh, or uh, Mario, definitely, you know, smaller than Mario Galaxy. Um, uh, I, I hear there's a lot to do after you complete the main stages, apparently. Uh, well, I know in New Super Mario World, they I got through that last fight with Bowser, which was really awesome. I, I mean, it should, we, we do spoilers here, but Dang Nebby takes up the whole freaking screen, comes chasing down your ass. Must have died like eight times on there. Had to use up all my. <laughs> had to use up all of my. Uh, what's the what's the, the the helicopter head? That's really the best way to to get through that is to use the helicopter head before you go in and fight him. Um, and I was glad I saved up all those helicopter heads. I'm the kind of person in those games that I save everything except for mushrooms. You can get all the mushrooms you want. That's not a problem. But um, uh, but then it opens up World Nine, and I haven't really farted around with new World Nine and New Super Mario. I'm not the kind of person that goes back and see how many coins I can collect or stuff. I just want to beat the game. So I saw the little cute little 30-second ending. I'm happy. My life is complete. All is well with the world. Um, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how the the DS version uh, goes. But uh, hopefully I don't get through it in the next four hours because I'll be pretty disappointed hopefully if it's not that fast. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. It's pretty fun, though. It, it, so far, yeah. It, you know, it's, it's, it's nice having a, th- a game that's in 3D that's using that whole 3D angle. Have you, <laughs> have you been playing it, too? Yeah, I just picked it up uh, this morning. I've gotten through the first two worlds. Yeah, yeah, and and um, I'll, I'll give you a little hint. Uh, go back and collect all the freaking big coins, because <laughs> I'm thinking it's like optional because there's these things that you can unlock with those coins. Like you unlock those extra boards with the coins, right? Um, yeah. Uh, which they don't explain in the instruction book. So I'm hoarding all the big huge coins to begin with, and I saw that there are things that you could open with the big huge coins well in new super mario world you can spend the big huge coins to to get hints and tips and videos well i hoarded my big huge coins there because how do i know i might not need that big huge tip to on how to be bowser i don't know so i hoard uh so in this game i'm hoarding and then um uh and then i get to a certain world whose name i shall not mention and i can't <laughs> get any further until i have x number of big huge coins so yeah, it becomes a roadblock eventually. Alrighty, well, um, that anyways, that's uh, so far. I'll say it's a half plug, uh, but I think it'll be better. It's Mario. I mean, come on, it's Mario. How bad can it be? It's probably really yeah, it's awesome. Mario. It's Mario. It's me, Mario. <laughs> and I'm sitting there. I walk into the I walk into the EB to buy, and I'm wearing the Mario shirt my mom got me a couple of years ago <laughs> for Christmas. So I look like the total geek geek nerd or whatever. But um, anywho. Uh, and I pre-ordered Zelda with the fancy remote control. So did I. Yeah. Can't wait. Awesome. Well, I figure I don't have a Wiimote Plus yet. And it does have Same the here. little Zelda. I, I'm kind of I'm kind of a little bitter because I had a, a Nintendo Collector's Edition Nintendo 3DS that was Zelda and had the the Triforce on it and everything. Ooh. And yeah, that was really awesome. It was like my little special thing. Um, uh, and I carried it with me everywhere I went. And that ended up being its downfall because uh, I was uh, in a public place and I left it in the public place for all of oh, 60 no. seconds. I wasn't gone more than a minute or two. And I immediately ran back down. It was gone. So I realized I had oh. left it on, on the table. And I was like, oh, crap. Someone stole it. And it, it really, at that point, I had had it for a few years. So it's probably not worth that much because it's pretty used, you know. I mean, it's it's been in my pocket. It's a little scratch, you know. I mean, I got the little covers on the screens, but that's about it. So um, I don't take my 3DS outside my house for that reason. <laughs> it stays here um, charging 
uh, for the most part. My PSP goes where I go, though, a lot of times. Well, I don't even take that anywhere. Now, now you kind of do the cell phone. Did you hear that there was a big report that uh, handheld gaming's going out the door? Is that true? I've heard that. Yeah. I don't know. The the PSV might be the last big uh, handheld device, well, uh, gaming device. We'll have to keep an eye out. I'd hate for that to happen because I really don't think my cell phone's a great gaming device. It does take up those little bits of time, though, at the post office and stuff I where I used to carry my DS with me everywhere because I was afraid I'd have, like, five minutes not to do anything. Um... Uh, I have kind of just left that to my handheld and I will or my phone, and I'll read a book. But as far as playing games on, unless you're just really into uh, Angry Birds, I I don't know. I'm not seeing a lot of great RPGs yeah. on my cell phone. Well, there's some good stuff on iPhone, but the problem I have is I I don't want people calling me in the middle of a game. <laughs> I don't really like it on my phone. <laughs> I've got a and I've and I've got an i I got an iPad, but I've got an Android phone. So uh, um, I I do have some of the games on the iPad, and um, and I've talked about those on some of the pre-spec check. I talked about the Spiderweb RPG I have, um, and I thought about getting some of the like Chaos Rings and stuff. But it's kind of fifteen bucks, and I thought about it, but um, I haven't really took the plunge on any really big one other than the the Spiderweb. So. Yeah, yeah. The one thing I don't like is is. I don't really know how, like, iPhones and stuff, how they deal with the saved games. Like, I had an old iPod Touch, and uh-huh. when I got my iPhone, I transferred all my apps there, but I had no idea how to transfer all my saved games. Now I've had to start all these games over. Ooh, yeah, that's a no good way, point. There's no way to just copy these saved files over. When you go to, when you sync your, when you sync your um, iDevice up with your computer, it doesn't do that when it syncs? I don't know. Huh. I thought it did. But, but apparently it didn't. Well, that's that's really bad. Yeah. I, I, li- I guess with Android, it's a little bit easier only because everything on Android, you can plug into a computer, you see all the folders. Whereas with an yeah. iDevice, it doesn't quite work that way. It has to go through the... Yeah. the, the but, but, yeah, they're really cool games as far as those tablets and phones goes, really on the Apple devices. Um, for the most yeah, part. Yeah, and a lot of it's just, you know, games port- ported from elsewhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, speaking of uh, spiderweb games, um, and this kind of fits into the theme of RPG backtrack. Because spiderweb, for those who don't know, who haven't listened to a couple backtracks ago, I talked about uh, spiderweb software. Uh, it's a it's a very small studio. They only last time I checked, they have three or four workers there. Uh, they work on very old school type. PC, PC old school type um, RPGs, turn-based combat type deals. Um, their main series is a Vernum, and it, you'll go around. You'll eventually get a party for people in each of those games. It kind of looks like Ultima uh, meets a uh, Gold Box D and D type of games, uh, though it, la- it it strips away a lot of the layers of complexity because leveling up and skills and all that aren't are nearly as deep. They recently came out with um, an iOS game. Oh, and for the life of me, my brain's hurting right now. Um, <laughs> I can't remember the name of it, but I talked about it a couple of backtracks ago. Anyways, what's really interesting is they have this series of games called Gene Forge, the Gene Forge Saga. It's five games, and in the game, you're usually playing um, 
I don't know what the official terminology is, but you're playing a, a hero of some sort. He's a caster. He summons other beasts. Now you can play. You can usually pick a, a guy who specializes in summoning, or specializes in offensive magic, or specializes more in stealth. But for the most part, the, each of these guys can still summon uh, other other types of beasts. There's uh, stories in each in each of the Gene Forge games. They tend to have uh, deep stories where you can make very big decisions such as joining certain guilds and those decisions will have an impact on the ending as well as what happens in the world around you they can be pretty deep games now i personally have never played one through so i'm not speaking from personal experience just from what i've read from other people who've reviewed them and played all the way through well uh in the past those games those each of those gene force games are around 15 20 bucks each so if you want to buy all five of them you'd have to invest um you could buy a cd they sold a cd with all five of them for like i think it was like 45 or 50 bucks or something along those lines uh and that would probably be okay but again we're talking about an independent you know type of rpg in a day and age where people are used to paying five to ten bucks for games on their apple and and, and even on steam there's a lot of indie games for for cheap uh the these spider web games come off a little expensive but on steam uh they just put it up a week or two ago maybe three weeks ago but they got the entire gene forge saga for 20 bucks it's awesome Ooh. yeah all five games for 20 dollars they had them on when they first put up there they had on sale for 16 they had a 20 percent off more so i i scooped it up <laughs> yeah so i got it even cheaper um, but 20, 16, 20 bucks, it really doesn't matter. That is five really classic uh, games. If you're into old school PC type of gaming where you're moving one character around with the mouse, uh, isometric point of view, uh, these are not going to be graphics that blow your mind away. This is classic PC game. This stuff looks looks like it could have been on a PC probably in 1997. 98-ish. Um, we're talking... Maybe earlier than that. Yeah, maybe even earlier than that, yeah. <laughs> um, depending on which one. Now, the Gene Forge looks a little bit better than the early Avernum titles, so I won't, I won't throw it too far back. Um, I did play through um, the demo of Gene Forge... Gosh, I don't remember which one it was. One or two. Uh, and I enjoyed the, the little bit of gameplay there, because you can, you can actually get yourself up a, a little army of little summon monsters... I thought that was kind of cool, and, and if you and if you want, and you know, the really great thing about spiderweb games is if you if you if you're on the fence about this, you're like, well, Phil, I'm not sure that's really what I'm into. Well, the cool thing is they have huge demos of their game uh, on their websites, so you can uh, go and check those out. Uh, download a demo, they're beefy demos, and then if you like it, then go to Steam and buy the Quintru. What is it? What is it when it has five in it, uh, Mr. Minky? What's that called? Five. Uh, well, it's a quintet if we're talking musically. So let's just let's do quintet. Yeah. So you can go buy that, uh, or you can yeah, buy the quintet of games on Steam for. Um, anyways, the website is uh, if you want to download the demo. I, I don't know if the demo is available through Steam or not, but the uh, demos I I get them off of spideweb.com. It's s p i d w e b dot com. So um, they kind of take out the er and spiderweb, <laughs> spideweb.com, but it's called spiderweb software. So, anywho, that's enough plugging for me today. I think, yeah. Um, hmm. 
guess we should do the official disclaimer and all that other fun stuff. RPG Backtrack is a production of RP Gamer, your source for RPG news, impressions, review, articles, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Write your questions and comments on our boards at board.rpgamer.com or email me, jcservant, at rpgamer.com and help shape our future shows. We thank you for listening to RPG Backtrack. As always, you're the reason we do this. So do us a favor. Rate us on iTunes. Follow us at Twitter.com slash RPGamer. Become our biggest fans at Facebook.com slash RPGamer. And as always, you are more than welcome to listen to our vast array of previous podcasts as well as our two awesome yet slightly inferior sister shows, RPG Cast and RPG Sanctum at RPGamer.com. Mr. Meeky. Put us, put, put those people who haven't already put to sleep, put the rest of us to bed. I just learned how to dodge bullets. Then someone killed me with a knife, and I never learned it again. Then I comboed with all four other people in my party and killed the final boss. Except then the power flickered, and I couldn't do it again. This is the world of Saga, and it is like nothing else.
trouble over land and sea and Cobra, a ruthless terrorist organization determined to rule the world. 